spins a web any size. Catches seeds just like flies. Look out! Here comes the Spider-Man. Hello and welcome to episode 20 of Amazing Spider-Man Classics in association with SpiderManCrawlspace.com. My name is John Wilson, and with me in the studio, as always, are Joshua Lappin Bertoni. When he calls me by my full name, I feel 24 years old. <laughs> Someday that joke will end. <laughs> Not Someday. It's altered. And Donovan Morgan Grant. Hiya! Hiya! I would like to thank you for downloading this episode of Amazing Spider-Man Classics and remind you that this show is brought to you by Roll2Play, an online vendor of games and gaming accessories. You can visit their shop at Roll2Play.com. That is spelled with the number 2. Or find them on Facebook if you search Roll2Play, all one word, again, spelled with the number 2. Currently, the store is offering 15% off on their entire selection, sometimes more, for the fall season leading into the holidays. One of their featured products is a hot-selling game called Dominion. It is not a customizable card game, but the play of the game is similar to the construction and play of a CCG deck. It comes with 500 cards. Each player starts with an identical, very small deck of cards. And the concept of the game is basically that you are building a kingdom, that you were a monarch like your parents before you, trying to bring civilization to the peoples around you. It's been selling like hotcakes at the store there, and it is available at 15% off. Again, Roll2Play.com, spelled with the number 2, and that game is called Dominion. We don't have any emails for you today. We will be addressing those hopefully in the next episode. Didn't have time to record those for this episode, but uh, we do appreciate the emails, and should you wish to contact the show about the things you hear today or on other episodes or Spider-Man stuff in general, the email address is AmazingSpiderManClassics at gmail.com. We have some excellent Spider-Man books we're going to be taking a look at tonight, but first I want to introduce a man with whom you may or may not be familiar. He was the comic book archival researcher for the documentary With Great Power, The Stan Lee Story, which recently premiered at San Diego Comic-Con. He also has the claim to fame of owning every single issue of The Amazing Spider-Man. Here with us tonight is Eddie D'Angelini. Uh, hearty hello to everybody. I do not have a uh, witty joke, as the rest of you do, but hopefully you'll, you'll greet me just the same. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Eddie. We're glad to have you here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I have never actually spoken to anybody before who has every issue of Amazing Spider-Man. We had JR on the show who had a pretty wide collection because he'd been collecting for a long time. And Brad Douglas goes back to the, I think, the 20s in his collection. But every single issue. Tell me about how that mission came about. Oh, goodness. Uh, let's see. About uh, four or five years ago, maybe more like five or six, I just got the bug on collecting Amazing Spider-Man. And it's gone before that. Some of the very first comics I've ever gotten when I was a little kid, you know, 10, 11, 12, was Spider-Man. So I grew up reading Spider-Man. I grew up loving Spider-Man. And sporadically from then to now, I've always kind of, you know, collected here and there. And my guy was always Spider-Man. So uh, when I just started buying up issues about five or six years ago my goal was i want to own the first 100 issues of amazing spider-man 
that quickly grew to, I want to own the first 200 issues of Amazing Spider-Man. And then I got a really nice copy of issue uh, 300. And I thought, okay, well, I've got to close the gap and make it the first 300. And at that point, I just said, ah, forget it. I'm just going to make it a gold own every issue. So eventually, over the, the past several years, from what I've already had to what I needed, I kind of finally just built up that whole collection and got everyone. Josh was uh, there in San Diego with me when I told him the only issue I have left that I need is issue two. And then I ended up getting it there in San Diego. Do you have Amazing Fantasy 15 as well? Uh, yeah, go ahead and uh, give me a paper cut and rub salt in it, why don't you? <laughs> no, I don't have that issue. I'm sorry. That, that is the one issue. I don't have it. Um, that is the goal to get that. I've had other people that I know that are big into Spider-Man and also have every issue tell me, until you own that, you don't own every issue. But I'm, I'm very quick to tell people I own every issue of Amazing Spider-Man, you know, basically saying just that title. So, no, I don't own that yet. And then if you want to get specific, uh, I don't have all the variants because, as I was telling John a couple days ago, it's really hard to justify buying the same book more than once, especially, you know, if it's a brand new day issue and it's maybe just not all that good. It's hard to justify doing that. But I will buy variant covers as well if it's a really nice variant cover. Like, uh, you hear that, Marvel? Uh, sure i mean and some of them are just not that good and i can't justify spending you know and a lot of times if they're marked up to like 6.99 10.99 or more i can't justify buying them you know but they there was that really nice copy uh variant cover of uh that uh, john Romita senior did a couple issues ago that of course that that's one to buy so yeah well you know even even more of a Goldmine than Amazing Fantasy 15, you know, an issue that you really, really want to make sure you add to your collection because it's not only valuable as a story, but also germane to the mythology is, of course, Strange Tales Annual 2. Uh, <laughs> uh, go ahead. Boy, you're really rubbing it in. I, I saw that in San Diego just this past summer, and that was an issue that I did want to buy then and there, but I had the choice. Okay, I've got money to either buy that or buy number two and finish off the run. And I was totally just there. teasing because it's not that was, great a story. I, was, I, I hope you listened no, to our, I hope you listened to that episode we went over that by the time you were in. Not, but as far as, uh, as as far as the Spider Man completist, that is one that I think you should get though. And okay. that that is one that is on the list. Yeah. Well, I don't mean to keep pouring salt on you, sir. I just uh, uh, <laughs> was curious about exactly where all where all you you stand as far as the collecting goes. I'm curious, but I don't want to pry. Do you mind talking price tags, like what you paid for issue one or two or whatever? Well, the number two, when I was there in San Diego, I got a pretty good deal. I think I offered the guy 200 I mean, he wanted a little more for it, and it wasn't the greatest copy. It was maybe like a, a nicer-looking, lower-end condition book, but it was one that I was still pretty happy with owning you know when you look at it, it you can see it's got a little wear here and there but no big discernible spot of damage that looks bad it's just got you know general wear for the condition it looks nice so yeah two hundred dollars you can't beat that right you really can't yeah That's pretty good to complete the series there you go well cool how did you even get into the character in the first place uh, how did you get into comics and how did you get into spider-man when i was in grade school there was a book club where you could order books uh, in class and you know you would mark the books you want give the teacher the money and then you know three four weeks from now the books come in and you get you know they distribute them out to the kids 
Well, in that catalog of books, they had those little pocket-sized uh, Marvel books of Spider-Man, where the you know the first volume was issue one through six, and the second one was issue seven through twelve. And they stopped and putting think, the covers inside after the second volume. I, I you know what? I think you're right. Um, but I think Brad Douglas had mentioned these too that when he was a kid, that's how he got into Spider-Man, if I remember correctly. But yeah, I, I had no idea who Spider-Man was at that point. I was in grade school. I got him. I, I read them and loved them. I read those things over and over and over and over. So that just that was it. That started a love with Spider-Man and comics. Well, cool. Yeah, I had those books and I was wee and uh, I had the chicken pox and that gave me lots of in bed time to just sit there and read Spider-Man over and over and over again. So, yay. Well, cool. And you recently had the opportunity to uh, premiere the documentary film With Great Power, The Stan Lee Story at San Diego Comic-Con. Um, yeah. We'll get into the books in just a minute, but just go ahead and uh, feel free. Take a minute and describe your role with that and, and, and what that film is. It is a feature-length documentary on comic book legend Stan Lee. It pretty much uh, follows his whole life from his uh, birth and childhood and all the way up to the present day. So it really goes over, and Josh saw it, so um, he can probably add a little bit as well, but it really goes over from his, his childhood and poverty how he got started at Timely, what led up to um, him creating uh, all the characters of the Silver Age with, you know, Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko and all the greats, and really follows his life past Marvel and um, what he's done since then. So as far as my role, I heard about the opportunity to intern for it from my wife. And at this point of my life, I thought, I'm not going to be an intern. You know, it's I'm too old for that. I'm not in school anymore. But I thought, you know what? It might be just kind of fun. One day a week, you go in there, you help out, you, you know, talk shop, talk comic books, you know, and help out. Well, it ended up that uh, a lot of the other interns there, although they liked comic books and they liked Stan Lee, they didn't really know a lot about the history of it. And so I quickly stood out because I did. So I was always the guy that everyone went to whenever they had questions. Or, you know, like, what, what issue of what comic does did this panel appear? We need to identify it for legal, you know, or anything like that. Or can you get a scans of this, of scans of that? So a lot of the images that you see from the original comic books in the movie are actually from uh, books from my collection. So ended up that uh, the internship ended up meet with me being the um, comic book archival researcher because I was just the guy that everybody went to, you know, so um, it turned into that. And I was on staff there for working on it for about a year and a half, close to a year and a half, all the way up to the premiere in San Diego. If, if I'm correct, there's not yet word on wider availability of that film. Is that right? No, I probably should not go into specifics. Um, is there, is there a site they can follow to, uh, if, in case that were to be announced? Yes. Go to withgreatpower.biz. And that will lead them to the website for the film. And also, there's a link on there to join the Facebook page. Uh, your best bet is to join the Facebook page because you will get periodical updates as far as any premieres that are coming up or uh, any DVD releases or possibly maybe even theatrical releases. Uh, without getting too specific because I know I shouldn't be giving out details, uh, the two producers that I worked for were in talks with Disney as far as distribution. So beyond that, one, I probably shouldn't say anything else. And two, I don't really know too much else beyond that. That's fine. So, I, I wouldn't want you to say things you shouldn't. But uh, yeah. thank you for the information. And yeah, we'll, uh, 
Um, I'll be joining that Facebook page soon because I'd like to see that film. Okay. There's also, if you, if you join the Facebook page, you will see uh, several pictures that I took of the screening and of the panel afterwards. And I think I'm on it right now. Oh, are you? If you look, I'm not sure, but I think I might have put up the one picture of Josh with uh, Stan. (laughs) If it's not there, I'm if it's not there, I think I might go back and actually put it up. That's right. That's one of the things that Josh is personally grateful for. Is uh, Eddie helped uh, Josh Bertoni meet Stan Lee at the San Diego Comic Con. Oh yes, and everyone got to hear about it all the way uh, from the convention center to my car. (laughs) <laughs> As I was walking through downtown San Diego. And uh, Josh, I don't know if you really actually talked to him long enough to corroborate this, but I can definitely say Stan Lee is probably the nicest, most gracious guy you could ever meet in this industry. Uh, a lot of people really um, want to kick up uh, dust with the fight between Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. And did he create this? Did you know How much did this person create? And so on and so on. And the truth is, when you really study a lot of that stuff and talk to people from that era... It really was a time where people just all put their input into everything and nobody really wanted to take credit for this percentage or that percentage because at that point it was an industry that people were embarrassed to really be in. Not like it is today where people are superstars in an industry. So really as far as who created who, that debate probably will never be settled. And there are people that to this day will say, I hate Stan Lee because he jilted Jack Kirby or this, that, whatever. But the truth is, when you meet the guy face to face and spend a little bit of time with him, he is the nicest, most gracious person you could ever, ever meet. Well, he, he was really nice. And the movie actually did show uh, alternative sides to that story because they talked about yeah. in the movie that reporter who uh, came in and, and, you know, wrote up Jack as if Jack was the devil and uh, – Stan and Joan were waiting for a call from Jack and his wife about the article, and they had no idea some of the stuff. So, Yeah, and you know, if you ever do really have a chance to meet Stan, he is that type of person where he is just very, you know, grandiose and just boisterous the way he comes across in his old, you know, bullpen bulletins. And he just had that ability to be able to kind of take over the attention of the room, you know, to the detriment of some of the artists or other creators that were there. And uh, from what I hear from him and from other people of that era, Jack was just not the type to step forward and really take the spotlight. So unfortunately, like with that article, he did kind of get pushed back into the shadows. You know, any listener will know that we definitely have a lot of fun, you know, giving digs to Stan and giving digs to the storytelling choices and the tropes and everything they've been going through. But but that's not to say that... that, Yes, that's not to say that the, the group of us does not have the you know, utmost respect for Stan and for the artists that went into creating our, our character that we celebrate on this show, Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and trust I, me, a lot of that goofy stuff uh, that we read in a lot of these earlier issues, I guarantee that if Stan went back and looked at him now, he'd probably agree with all of you that it's just really, just kind of really goofy and over the top. <laughs> so, And it was revolutionary for the time, I guess. You know, I mean, I, we, I sure. joke about how they hit you over the head with the irony of the situation. But yeah, and, and you also got to consider, too, that a lot of this stuff back in the 60s, Stan had, had said, I don't know if he says this in the documentary, but he actually said it to me that he had no idea that any of these characters would have a life beyond four or five years. Because at that point, especially uh, before he created all these characters, Marvel pretty much would just hit on a genre, milk it to death for three or four or five years, and then move on to another genre. That's why you see a lot of it in the 50s went from 
romance to Western to horror because they just flooded the market with whatever was popular, milked it to death, and moved on to the next thing. So he was expecting pretty much the same thing to happen with the superhero fad. Oh, four or five years, everyone will forget all about it, and they'll want something else. Because that, no that had happened, that that had happened a couple times already. Sure. And yet Patsy Walker yeah. lives on. But, but Marvel, <laughs> Marvel Boy didn't, you know. They, I mean, they tried superheroes. They tried bringing back Torch and Namor and Captain America in the 50s, and you know, sure. it lasted six months. And so I, I yeah. can, I can see And Stan how- had said that those really were his favorites, and that's why he tried to bring them back in the 50s. And when he brought them back in the 60s, you know, yeah, he did it because they were his favorite characters, but he really never expected any of it to last. Right. Well, uh, it's very exciting to have you with us in the show today. So we are going to dive into comic books now. And on the plate for us tonight, we are looking at issues 28 and 29 of Amazing Spider-Man. And the first of those, issue 28, has a release date of June 8th, 1965, with a cover date of September. Has a really cool cover. I don't know. Agreed. One of the best. Yeah, I I really dig this. The background is completely black, and Spider-Man's suit is all black, with the web lines in red. So it's sort of a reverse effect there. Uh, Molten Man is approaching the camera all glowy and sinister looking. It's just amazing. Our captions read, Cloaked in darkness, Spidey faces the mystifying menace of the Molten Man. And also in this landmark issue, you won't want to miss Peter Parker's graduation, which is exciting. I'm sure we'll have a lot to say about his graduation in a few. But also in the cover in the masthead on the top left, there has been a change. Instead of... (laughs) (laughs) It's not the change as much that bothers me. It's their pretentious explanation of it in the back. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll talk about... The the pretentious... We'll talk about the why this happened when we get to the letters page. It does say instead of Marvel Comics, it now reads Marvel Pop Art Productions. One thing about this cover, if you take a look at Amazing Spider-Man 188, you'll see a somewhat similar recreation of this cover. Is that the one with the vulture? It's the one with the jigsaw, and it's the same kind of effect of Spider-Man coming towards Jigsaw where you see him from behind, and he's kind of lit in the shadows. Oh, yeah. And Jigsaw, instead of looking sinister, he looks scared out of his schnizzle. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. shooting that gun wildly, hoping that Spider-Man does not get to him. And there's well, you can spider- see it's kind of the same thing. Yeah, but yeah, the design is definitely there. The character's yeah. brush is just different. That's really cool. I hadn't, I hadn't made that connection. Okay. Opening splash page has Peter Parker, dressed in civvies, not as Spider-Man, entangled in some sort of coils while a man in a suit is exulting in some sort of radiation glow stuff. The title reads, The Menace of the Molten Man. And it was written and edited with loving care by Stan Lee, plotted and drawn with the talent rare by Steve Ditko, and lettered and bordered with a vacant stare by Sam Rosen. Oh, he, he, did, he didn't do S-Rose in this time. I was going to say, yeah, he came out <laughs> Yeah, he he revealed that he actually is a male letterer. (laughs) Maybe it was because, you know, the Mary Marvel Marching Society record outed him. Yes. You know, I got a bone to pick with you guys. (laughs) You played that that song on the last episode, and it just made my blood boil, and I'll tell you why. There was Uh a whole week, for a whole week when I was working on the Stanley documentary, I had to try, because we needed to use it for the film and we had to get legal clearance for it, I searched for an entire week to find out 
who owns that song? Who owns the rights to that song? And nothing. Can't find anybody. Wow. So apparently no one owns it. So play away. <laughs> it was John's idea. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> well, trust me, you're not going to get in any legal trouble at whatsoever because cannot figure out anything. I even talked to uh, grandchildren of, uh, what's his name, uh, Martin Goodwin. Everybody at Marvel practically you know, tried to find anybody. Nobody wants to lay claim to it. That's weird. Yeah. The, the darkest secret of Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's probably yeah. Ditko. He never takes credit for anything. Surely they had to know like who produced it. I mean, surely well, I even went so far as to contact the company that actually um, recorded it, and they know nothing. Wow, <laughs> they've been all murdered. <laughs> it's a real hush hush situation. This is like going to be like a cover up Da Vinci scale like yeah, degree. Well, I, I didn't mean to. Uh... Turns out their last name is Donner. <laughs> We're gonna find out. What it was follows like, this most dangerous human cover up in human history. It was like yeah, Julius Schwartz, but Bob Kane tried to take the credit, like he does with everything. Right, yeah, right. and if I misspoke, I meant Martin Goodman is is what I meant. I talked to his grand his grandkids, and and they know nothing about it. Huh. Well, speaking of Mar- Mary Marvel marchers, there is a little uh, exciting balloon at the bottom of the splash page that says Marvel marches on to another new adventure triumph. So that is our exciting introduction to this story. We open at the beginning of the school day. As Peter is heading for the school building, the principal catches his attention and lets him know that Flash confessed to starting the fight the other day, which is a uh, callback to issue 27, covered last episode. Peter goes inside and sees Liz Hilton. (laughs) She's Paris' older cousin. Liz's full name is actually Liz Allen Osborne Allen. Brand Hilton. <laughs> yeah, now I could see I could see Stan mixing up names and throwing in a Brandt or a Ross or, or something that obviously is an, of an established character already. But where did he pull H- Hilton out of? Maybe he was in the hotel that weekend writing the script. I have no idea. <laughs> right. He was traveling to one of the colleges to give a Spider-Man speech. Him and Steve were like having a really bad day, and like Steve was just sabotaging the book. He's like, "Oh, that blonde girl from Peter's school. What's her last name again?" And Steve's like, "It's Hilton." (laughs) (laughs) So Liz Hilton, really Alan, but Hilton, but really Alan, (laughs) but no, it's Hilton. Uh, She's walking. (laughs) She's walking. They don't even fix that in the reprints like they do with Brands or Palmer. I know. I I had Hilton right in front of me. It's like you know, how did they miss this? She's walking through the halls. She has her eyes closed the whole time that she's walking, actually. And uh, she looks really upset. Uh, Peter tries to talk to her, but she blows him off. She seems to be sad, though, more than angry. He runs into Flash, but when, he, when Peter tries to thank him for squaring things with Principal Davis, Flash tells him off. The senior classes let out early to get ready for graduation, and Peter sees Liz turn Flash down for a date. Not now, not tomorrow, not ever. Do I make myself clear? <laughs> Peter then goes to the home of Spencer Smythe to retrieve first his... First time we get his first name. Oh, yes, it is. So Spencer Smythe to retrieve his costume that was lost to Smythe's robot back in issue 25. Although I wrote these notes before I read the annual. The annual calls Smythe's robot the Jonah robot. <laughs> 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 so I, I may I may switch back and forth between those names as I read through my uh, synopsis here. So yeah, we're getting the costume. We lost that. It's been several issues now. This is issue twenty. Didn't, didn't 
didn't Josh say the last time that when he says, I'll find something to do with this this old costume, that they never come back to it? Or am I imagining that? Did he say that at the end of 25, that he would find something to do with the old costume? In the last issue, in the Crime Master issue, he like says, that's it, I'm through with this, this stupid costume. And he's like, but my, I might find a use for it. And then... I think Bertoni said that. Oh, they'll, they'll never come no, back. No, no, I, I, I think that meant that he was gonna sew one. You mean the one? Because in here, spoilers, he like switches it with for the real one in Smice and Smice Laboratory. Yeah, he swaps out his shrunken store-bought costume for the real one, so that Smythe won't notice that one's missing. Yeah, spoilers for an issue that's forty-five years old. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I just thought that there was some kind of like, like, like a controversy, like that, him actually not doing it with it, but. Uh, uh, I, I don't know. Go ahead. It's okay. So as Peter enters the house, there's a brief problem with the Jonah robot snaring him in its tentacles because, of course, Peter Parker is Spider-Man and the robot is set to grab anything spidery. But Peter has brought an alibi with him. Uh, he has uh, a jar of spiders in his jacket and he pulls it out saying that that's why the robot grabbed him. Mm-hmm. My robot would never act that way unless it sensed something spidery nearby. That's a great adjective. <laughs> The doc also makes a comment here that I should have known a teenager like you couldn't be the mysterious Spider-Man. Irony. Irony. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) So is there a reason why Peter comes into his lab with the uh, jar gift wrapped? I mean, can he just walk in with the jar and say, look, I've got spiders for you? Um, Well, if he did that, then Smythe might grab them right away. So then if the robot grabbed Peter and Peter wasn't holding it, he wouldn't have an alibi. I ah, guess. Okay. Or to keep the spiders from seeing the outside world and getting scared as he was traveling. That's what my... was he like? Did he like spend all afternoon looking for spiders like in a jar? And... Dude, he just called him on the phone. He's he just spider sense, of course. He, does, he doesn't get those powers <laughs> till 2004. <laughs> I, don't know, I, don't know. I, I just like to that. He called uh, Hank Pym up and said, hey, Hank, can you get some spiders over here? <laughs> Us wasps have a general dislike of spiders in general. <laughs> Not a real wasp, honey. <laughs> <laughs> and also, we've talked in previous issues about the world knowing Spider-Man is a teenager. But it looks like not everyone knows. Cause old As it F- should be. I, I, I don't like the fact that, you know, when, when the thing goes, Oh, that got up in teenager Spider-Man. That's one of my... Smack his rock face. What will we do when Spider-Man becomes an adult? He'll be even more powerful. And and yet it's never explained. How would they even know? Because his mouth is, his voice is so muffled by the mask, as proved by the latest episode, that that John proved it. (laughs) That was my little uh, experiment during the episode there. Latest released episode, for the record. Yeah, there are going to be several last episode releases, last episode references in this, because there's a month gap between recordings and releases. But that's okay. okay. Yeah. Thank you for uh, making me feel unwelcome. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're welcome, Eddie. All right. <laughs> at, least, at least we didn't, you know, make you stay up late like we did with uh, Stephen Lacey. <laughs> well, see, that's the advantage I have being on the West Coast. It's not late for me. Exactly. You still have sunlight right now. Fading sunlight. Yeah. Or the blood of nice. So Peter swaps out his costume in Smythe's drawer with the shrunken store. I can't say that stupid word. Shrunken store-bought costume for my old one. After all, it does belong to me, you know, using his Bruce Wayne logic from Batman Begins. Right. <laughs> and as he gets ready to leave, he sees Smythe being shoved around by a guy called Raxton. They're fighting over a really big jar of yellow liquid. Which, you know, 
we can tell from the dialogue has a has like a metallic, you know, really thick texture, but otherwise a really big jar of yellow liquid. I wouldn't exactly want to fight over that. Um, <laughs> but this is some sort of liquid metal alloy that Smythe and Raxton had developed together, but that Raxton now wants to sell at auction and take all the money for himself. In the course of Raxton's and Smythe's scuffle, Smythe knocks against a control panel, causing two things to happen. First, all these really weird laserish kind of things come on. Because that's totally safe to have set up in your house. (laughs) Science! Science! I was doing my science earlier. Leave me alone. (laughs) And also the Jonah robot is powered on. So that as Peter (laughs) moves to help Smythe, he's captured in the tentacular wonder with no spider jar alibi this time. (laughs) <laughs> and after the fight's over, he's like, actually, I brought a second jar of spiders. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good thing <laughs> He's got like six jars in his like, you know, pocket. <laughs> Just you know, for such an emergency. Don't forget the, of his the matchbox he has in his sock, you know. <laughs> he goes to the Daily Bugle later, but he's like, is that a spider jar in your pocket or are you just happy to see me? Actually, it's six spider jars. <laughs> You're not happy to see All stacked up. <laughs> Did Liz Allen give those to you? <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'm gonna go talk to Ned Leeds. Something in his pocket. Okay, so phallic spider jaw references aside, <laughs> Raxton punches Smythe again because Smythe's a wuss and he just kind of takes it. Um, but holding the jar brings Raxton off balance so that he falls into a laser. And the jar bursts and all the liquid metal pours all over Raxton as the laser beams blast him too. Well, I have a question. Uh, obviously, Raxton is some, comes across as some two-bit hood, but yet he's, it said that they created it together. He created it with that. Yeah. What, that. What the heck could he have possibly done? <laughs> I think he has Ben Grimm syndrome that after his transformation he loses half of his intelligence. <laughs> I think, I think like, that yeah. he was like a two-bit lab assistant and Smythe probably got him from like some like some rehabilitation like yeah, like you <laughs> know prison program. Yeah, he's he's out of work. He's <laughs> going to He gets like a check for the government, you know, or something. So we get a a panel that's sort of a riff on the cover image um, as Raxton's skin absorbs the liquid metal all glowy and laser flashy. And he's so... There's a lot lot of really visual things. I might add sound effects that you can always cut out if you feel like... (laughs) No, it's fine. It's some really cool art. I mean, it's definitely, you know, Ditko going, uh, having fun with it. And Raxton is so dazed by the events that he doesn't even notice Peter caught by the robot. But instead he staggers out. He doesn't notice the fact that his clothes don't have liquid metal all over him just his skin right but his pants <laughs> his jacket and his tie and his shirt are relatively unaffected they're polyester no <laughs> no it's a plot hole you can't fill a plot hole with a bunch of leaves and, and and say and say that it's the ground it's a plot hole teflon it's stan lee logic <laughs> it is right So Raxton's staggering out to find medical help, and Peter uses his web shooter to tag the switch that disables the Jonah robot. Just in time, too, as Smith comes to consciousness right then, we would not want... Oh, yeah, Smythe. We would not want Smythe to see, you know, Peter wrapped up in the robot's tentacles, because that would just be too suggestive. Smythe bemoans the loss of the alloy, but gives Peter Raxton's address so he can notify the police. 
Peter does not notify the police. He goes on himself. Meanwhile, a few blocks away, Raxton is crossing the street, when a motorist gives him a hard time for moving too slowly. Raxton reacts by smacking the car, but instead of actually smacking the car, he really pounds it, causing more serious damage than he intended to. Wonk. But he quickly realizes the metal has made him super strong. He flips the vehicle and begins terrorizing the crowd. Metal freak terrorizes. One thing he says here is, I've become an actual molten man. A what? And, yeah. <laughs> that doesn't Do make any sense. This, this, this is, okay, I, I can I say something real quick? This is always what confused me about molten man. Is he super hard like a golden statue, or is he like a fiery lava kind of person? Like, I... Cause in like in the in the uh, is it the Conrad one where he attacks Liz? Like they, yeah. they pull a stunt where he's like melting, and I never understand what his deal is. It's either it touched. was because his condition changed like a few times. Like there's been a few times where he's like caught on fire. Right. But why is he caught, caught line, on fire? It's just liquid, right? Right. In that later storyline, like you were saying, there is a point where he injures Spider-Man because he grabs him and literally burns his arm or his shoulder. So, yeah, he goes from being hard metal to, uh, like, lava. But in oh, this no, I'm pretty sure that, that, that it was explained in story, though, that, like, he had, like, mutated, or there was a change in his condition. Cause yeah, at the end and of we'll one probably of the just story, get to it in another 60 episodes, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no spoilers. <laughs> I, I just question it, because it, it goes, I, I understand, like, the idea of a molten man that kind of has fire connotations, but you're going from a liquid metal to something that's flammable that just confuses me. Well, okay, we have a liquid metal, and you could you could use the word molten to apply to that because molten means you know literally melted. But then he becomes super hard. So in this issue, in just this issue where he gets oh. his name, there's nothing molten man at all about Mark Raxton's condition. He's more like you know the Tin Woodman, not the molten man. He's like a golden man. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, but he's not. He's definitely not melting. He's standing up straight and tall as you like. He's shining all over. Ooh, shiny. As you do. I guess that's okay, though. We can't change it now. It's too late. It's already gone off to the printers 40-odd years ago. Peter is suited up as Spider-Man now, heading for Raxton's apartment, and he sees the wreck that Raxton has left behind. Raxton finds a hat in an alley. And I guess it's the same magical hat that Norman Osborn was using back in issue 17, because <laughs> it covers his face in shadow just perfectly, allowing him to make it home unhindered. There Smart. must have been some magic in that old silk hat he found. Sorry. <laughs> nice. <laughs> he then starts packing so he can light out to a hideout and pl- light out to a hideout. I didn't mean that to rhyme. And plan some crimes, as you do, I guess. It's his apartment. Yeah, he goes to the apartment and starts packing so he can find a hideout later. It, yeah, right, right. I mean... The fact that all of a sudden, I mean, I'm covered in metal, so instead of worrying about my lifespan, I'm going to start, you know, stealing money. <laughs> isn't your, isn't your like family rich? Doesn't your like? Oh, I, I yeah. understand. I, now, when Stanley wrote this, Liz Hilton or Alan or Brands or whatever her last name is, this issue, like, they were not related when Stanley wrote this. That was a retcon about a hundred issues later. But well, do they have the like, same mother or father? I forgot which. Yeah, in in hindsight, though, like you know, your family's Other. rich. Yeah. So he's not related to Mr. Brandt. No, he's not related to Mr. Brandt, Mr. Allen. Uh, I guess since they're step siblings, they're not actually related by blood at all. But that Liz's mother married into the Raxton family at some point. 
or or, or maybe uh, no, because then it would be her half brother. So yeah, that would have to be her stepbrother. Right. I was about to say yeah. Genealogy is confusing. That's why you should never get divorced. That that's confusing genealogy. <laughs> right. So Spider-Man comes in through the window, and of course they start fighting. Even you can't stop me. I've got the power of molten metal. <laughs> that's not a power. That's an element. You should have told me sooner. I'd have baked a cake. What is? <laughs> I love that. That's a good quip. <laughs> what does that even mean? The power of molten metal. I I don't understand. Anymore. It's an element, not a power. <laughs> I have the power of wooden tables. <laughs> I have the power of wet, of wet liquid. I have the no. These aren't. You're describing. I have power of breezy air conditioning. <laughs> I mean, no wonder that first Spider Slayer didn't work. I mean, my God, this is Spencer Smythe's lab assistant. You know, yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, look at that design. <laughs> Whenever you call it Jonah Robot, you you make it sound like it's like a life model decoy of J. Jonah Jameson. I'm just writing what Stan Lee wrote. I mean, let me just make sure that that's correct. That because like when you, when you think of like his face, that mirror and calling it Jonah Robot, that's awesome. I just need to make sure. You're, I'm going to go look at the gallery now to make sure I'm not you know totally being wrong on this. But oh, pre- you're right because I looked at it. <laughs> yeah, it, it's Jonah's robot. Okay, well, still same thing. It's the Jonah robot. That's just how it is now. So they start fighting, and Mark Raxon pretty much gets naked during the fight. I guess it's more fun that way. Um, yeah, I, can I make a comment about this? No, I think it's it's page, comment, page 12. He rips off his pant legs and said, since you're in costume, I'll create a similar effect. There, from now on, everyone will recognize the molten man. Yeah, nice Daisy Dukes, pal. I mean, how is that a costume? <laughs> you ripped your pant legs off, and that's a costume? It's the same uh, as the Hulk's only... costume. Well, that's the it's only person that's gotten away with it, is the Hulk. That's not a costume. It's, you Once just again, no nipples. Pants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, apparently, you know, the, the molten liquid melted those off. I was thinking the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, who it's needs nipples whenever nipples. they're covered in metal anyway? It's not like they're going to work after that. everyone will recognize the molten man you know like because yeah because the bare molten chest and face you know would have made them think that it was you know the green goblin i I just keep on looking at this guy you know (laughs) and i guess that the 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 liquid is supposed to make him super strong which makes his body it's his physique more you know impressive but i just keep on thinking this really this is like this is like the biggest villain since electro where this really should have killed him (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you just got covered in no, 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 he should be dead. I mean, the, the, it was it was liquid at room temperature, so it even the word molten is 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 misleading because that implies that it's supposed to be solid, and instead it's burning hot liquid. No, mm. it's like it's like mercury. That's why exactly, it's, exactly. It's just liquid at room, and to me that would mean it's poisonous because it's right. going to get into your pores, and you shouldn't have metal in your bloodstream besides the trace elements. So yeah, right. and he even says that that I've where is it that I feel as though the alloy is sinking right into my bloodstream. You know, I guess the buzz, okay. I guess the so buzz, buzz, power though made it safer, but I don't know. Oh yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I just like making that sound effect. Can you tell? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to have some of those in my house. I want to have them installed. When we get a house. We're not living in apartment land anymore. I'm gonna get some like you know big old lasers. And how does he have all that stuff in his house? Because it says that Peter Parker visit uh, goes to his house. I mean, it, like there's not. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 
<laughs> having all that crazy stuff in your house. I mean, that's like living next to a crack house. It can blow up any minute. This is what he did with Jonah Jameson's money uh, <laughs> that he paid for the robot recently. He's, he's super trained sure. neighbor. But how is it that there's no laws against having that kind of equipment in, in a, a home? There's no laws against, you know, a man keeping a costume. So It, it was the 60s. He could find <laughs> yeah. people. Yeah. It was 21. the 60s. Everybody no had that stuff. The- yeah. <laughs> Lasers are us. Installation is free. We are destroying this issue. Like, nothing makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> and the thing is, I like this issue. I, 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 I like the fight with the molten man. I like the story, and we're going to get to the graduation in a minute. Um, but yeah, we're ripping all kinds of holes in it. <laughs> yeah, you, 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 you put four intelligent, you know, educated men together, and you get, even with an issue that they love. You're like, you I know. don't know about that. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not counting four. Who are you talking about? No, just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, me times four. <laughs> no, no, no. But I was like, this really doesn't make any sense. The no nipples, no no death, no mercury, no nothing. Stupid costume. No clothes. Okay. This, <laughs> clearly, this, clearly went to, this clearly went all over his body, but it did not affect his clothes. Well, that's why I ripped it off, so I could show you that it did. He could feel it seeping into his bloodstream. How do you feel something going into your blood? How do you feel that? Like, does he have, like, the most body awareness of anyone? <laughs> well, I'm thinking, like, you know, I'm just thinking if he ever did multi-man live action, he would look like he would be, like, painting, uh, you know, like, like, like bronze spray, bronze spray graffiti or whatever. I just, like, this is, like, this, I was, like, this is, like, the silliest thing. He yeah, really he is a live like action. That. If they ever did a live-action version of the Molten Man, he would look lousy like the Silver Surfer in the last Fantastic Four movie. Who's that old pulp character that was in Marvel? Was it somebody with the name Bronze in the name? Doctor Bronze? Oh, Doc oh, Savage. Oh, 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 Man of Bronze. Um, Doc Savage. Doc okay. Savage, the Man of yeah. Bronze. Yeah. So this is this is him, only a superhero. Yeah, Super pretty villain. much. And not awesome. And not awesome. <laughs> <laughs> we must remember to include the not awesome bit. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he's, all about, he's so happy about it. He's like, oh, I can do anything because I have this dangerous chemical in my body. I'm not going to die in two hours. He should have a stroke like right now. So in the course of the fight, Spider-Man's punches and webbing don't do much for him because, of course, this metal is also Teflon. And of course. And slides off. And I can understand the punches not hurting because he's like punching metal. But uh, they do make their way into a cellar over the course of the fight, and Spider-Man douses the overhead lamp. So they're fighting in the dark, like on the cover. Very cool. And Spider-Man takes advantage of the darkness to form some really thick cords with his webbing. He manages to get some cord loops over all of Molten Man's limbs, and he binds them together for the police's arrival. I, I know it's kind of clever on Spidey's part, but it almost seems like a little bit of a letdown of an ending. Like, I can't beat him, so I'll just tie him up when he's not looking. I don't know what y'all think about that. Well, this this and the cat the capper issue are just like you know examples of issues where um I really don't think I don't really don't think that the superhero supervillain aspect is the most interesting part. So it I didn't, it didn't really matter to me. What, what I'm wondering is at this point here the the police arrive at the end of the fight. What are the police going to do with him? They can't untie him because then he'll just take off or beat up the police. Are they just going to just drag him down the stairs of the police car? And the webbing is yeah. going to dissolve. And the webbing is going to dissolve. What do they do with him? He just pistol with him. Like rhino tranquilizer or something, or like taser him. Well, I'm assuming yeah, with any the kind of tranquilizer you gotta yeah. you gotta do with the needle, work. and they're not gonna get through his skin. They can yeah, get I, I just say that because like, he's in the corner. I think they just like pistol whip him until he falls unconscious and throw him in jail. Jonah must have had a field day with this. Like, you know, respected <laughs> business, like you know, community member, you know, gets like stripped half naked by Spider-Man and then hogtied. 
<laughs> like, you know, half naked for the police. I mean, that's like, I- I'm sorry. Like, this is like very SMM. Spider-Man's like grabbing the half naked guy by the chest and like tying him up by his hands and feet and leaving him in the fetal position for the cops. The only thing missing is a spider hump count. Is a what? A spider hump count. Spider hump, yes. <laughs> look at on page, look page at the 16. Look on page uh, 16. Yeah, four, fourth panel. Up, yeah, like it, take a picture of that, Peter Parker, and put it on the Daily Beagle. Spider-Man freak! Wow, <laughs> that's kind of scary. Okay, so Peter leaves the scary molten man tied up, uh, leaves him and hurries home to get ready for graduation. Aunt May and Anna Watson attend the ceremony, of course. They see him in his cap and gown all pretty. Though Peter notes that Betty is not in attendance and wonders if she's oh. still mad at him for provoking Jameson and the uh, over the whole Smythe robot issue. You gotta be kidding me! Are what we a, are we assuming what, that what Betty's on a on a date with Ned right now since he shows up next issue? She probably showed up to the graduation and saw that Liz was there, and she's like, "So Peter invited Liz Allen to his graduation." <laughs> and it's like, and then like, what and is then, she and then doing here? There with Anna Watson. She's like, "Oh, Miss Brandt, this is Anna Watson, Mary Jane's niece." It's like, and Mary Jane's family is. Here? Oh, that's it. <laughs> like, I really hate the fact that Betty's not here. I I, I find that really like. We've, we've, we've had a deconstructed Betty Brandt the last few months. Yeah, no, that's, that's like, seriously, there's no excuse for that. I mean, at least, at least for Aunt May, or many, of all people, just, that's really mean, I think. That's really what, mean. That was low. To, to, to kind of, like, mirror that, um, and when Peter graduates from college in the Wolfman run, Betty does <laughs> show up. But Peter was going through a breakup at the time with Mary Jane, and Mary Jane skipped out on his graduation. Nice. And Peter, like, you know, makes, like, a comment about that, like, oh, maybe graduations offend her or something. <laughs> but Betty, like, made up for it by showing up to the college graduation. Of course, then she was trying to get back in the Peter's pants, so. Refresh my memory, though. Didn't but, yeah, Peter that's... not graduate from college because he was shy, like, a credit or two? And then he had to Well, he didn't know up. that until the very end yep. of the issue. But he did get oh, the credit. Okay. He did get the credit. diploma. All right. He he has a he has a should have had a V eight like you know panel where he smacks his head. Don't one lousy right. Yeah, it was like it was like a phys ed thing yeah. too, wasn't it? Like the one thing the that he does every single yep. day, he didn't get credit for. Irony. There you go. We're gonna have to break out the irons. <laughs> yeah, but Betty not showing up. I I don't think that it has anything to do with Ned. I think that she was legitimately mad at him for the events of issues twenty five and twenty six and. That, that that was really low of Betty, you know. But it's ironic that every time Peter's had a graduation, he's been on the outs with his current girlfriend, and the current girlfriend skips said graduation. I've been on the outs with my girlfriends every single graduation. Wait, so another have... thing that happened in both... <laughs> you just, like, totally ignored me, kept on both... going. <laughs> no, another thing that happens in both graduations is uh, the dean or principal, whoever is, you know, doing it, introduces the keynote speaker, who's the same person each time. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Speaking of the ceremony, um, before we get to the keynote speaker, we learned that both Flash Thompson and Peter Parker have been awarded scholarships to attend Empire State University in New York City, which, by the way, is not real. Um, <laughs> Are you sure? New York City is real, <laughs> but the university is not. I've heard that New York City is real anyway. I, I take it on faith. Um, I'm with you, John. I grew up on the West Coast. I had no idea that it wasn't real. I just assumed all this time that it was. You're my new best friend, Eddie. He'll <laughs> <laughs> be coming back. And now I introduce you to our new regular co-host. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Flash, of course, gets his uh, scholarship in athletics and Peter in science. Science! 
Jonah Jameson now gives a speech which makes absolutely nobody happy. And I love how, like, by this point in the series, no one in New York City likes Jonah Jameson anymore. I like the fact that he's not even been mentioned or appeared in this episode, in this episode issue so far. It's like, and now to give this keynote speech, Jonah Jameson is like, I don't know. <laughs> it's like, why is he there? The, 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 the paper guy. They couldn't get the mayor. They couldn't get, like, a, um, I don't know. Well, they did time. get the mayor. The what? Oh, 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 I see what you did there. Uh-huh. Yeah, he is, he is the mayor. Here's but i <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's okay, because if you want foreshadowing, Jonah flirts with his stepmom in this issue. Yeah, that disgusted me, too. What? He flirts with, with his stepmom. Jonah flirts with his stepmom? Yes. No. Jonah, oh, yes. Daughter in, daughter-in-law, right? Mother and... No, because his no, father marries no. Aunt May, and Aunt May would be his stepmother. It would be his stepmother. Jonah Jameson is flirting with his future. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Stepmother. All right. This is all kinds of sex going on here. Um, <laughs> it, 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 this is like a crazy family issue because we have Molten Man, who's like Liz's secret brother, and then you know Liz doesn't know her own family last name, and neither does Peter, and then. You know, Jonah's floating with his future stepmom, and then Anna Watson isn't sure if, you know, Mary Jane's her niece or her daughter. It's like, it's a crazy family issue. So as we said, after the ceremony, Jonah finds Peter, and he does get to meet Aunt May. And they uh, they hit it off, and Jonah starts, you know, bringing on the charm. Peter goes and finds Liz, and he tries to find out what's wrong, but all we get is, My feeling for you was more than just liking Petey. I had a crush on you, but you always seem to be <gasps> girls. Betty Brant and Mary Jane Watson. What? And Peter has the most awesome expression on his face right here. It's like, oh my god, is this all that's bothering you? Get <laughs> yeah, Dick was like, you know, Wait, you had a crush on me? This is a shocking revelation, Liz. <laughs> you always thought of me as just a ditzy blonde, and perhaps I am. But it's time for me to graduate out of that part of my life also. Like you can stop being a ditzy blonde on command. <laughs> I mean, no offense to the ditzy blondes in the audience, but just saying, you know, you can't just change that overnight. But has Peter ever treated her or said anything to her to give her the impression that he thinks she's stupid? I don't uh, think so. He's given I mean, her... if, if anything, she's the one that's always given him grief. Well, teenage girl, you know, she probably made that impression herself that he thinks... There's that web spinner story that, like, tried to give the reason why Liz was mad at him, even though, like, the reasons given in the Crime Master storyline... It's it's impossible to fit into the chronology, like really impossible because there's so many errors, like trying to fit it in. But in the story, Peter asks Liz out to prom just to like get on Flash's skin. But then he realizes, oh, wait, I asked Betty the prom also and Aunt May wants me to take Mary Jane. So I got to dump two of these girls. So like in front of the whole like school at this like fight that he's about to have with Flash, Peter says, Liz, I'm uninviting you to prom. And she slaps him. Are you talking about the seven through nine? So, supposedly that. Okay, I looked that up to see when it's supposed to happen, and theoretically it fits in between pages 16 and 17 of this issue. So between the Molten Man fight... But it doesn't. I know it doesn't, but that's that's somebody's theory. After the Molten Man fight, there's actually a period of time before we get to the graduation scenes from page 17 on, and that's when the 7 through 9 Web Spinners story happens. Theoretically. But that would negate the caption that says, but a short time later this happens. A short time later... It's it, there's a lot of things that make sense because of like Peter's relationship with Betty doesn't fit in with what was going on in the chronology, but it does have a great scene where like 
Peter and Betty are driving together and he talks about how he doesn't want to be stuck working at the Daily Bugle for the rest of his life like Betty is and Betty kicks him out of the car in the middle of the road. <laughs> what an idiot. <laughs> he had that coming. But I guess those, those problems later. <laughs> and it wasn't even it, it, it wasn't even like a subtle thing. Like he snapped at her. He's like, "Yeah, how about I work at the Bugle for the rest of my life like you?" The next oh. panel Peter standing on the side of the drives away. <laughs> oh no, you didn't. But I guess the, the the continuity issues are the problems with the research of the web spinners writer, because this story is totally intact and makes complete sense. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, uh, except Liz is wearing white, which you know we all know what she did to Flash Thompson. You know, don't wear white, Liz. We all know. <laughs> oh, is she wearing white? What color are their gowns? Are they white? White. Think... White for the girls and blue for the boys. Although Peter's, no, he's not wearing white. That's just a miscoloring in one panel. Never mind. One panel's miscolored with him in a white gown, but unless he's cross-dressing for that one page, I don't know. Well, we don't get Betty Brant, but we do get Mr. Brant. Yes. Um, so Liz leaves before Peter can talk to her more. She goes off in her fit of upset. She goes off with her dad, Mr. Brant, or Hilton, or Alan, or Alan. Or Stark. Who knows what his name is. Or Jameson, I don't know. Um, <laughs> By the way, Liz, we didn't want to ruin your graduation, but we think that Spider-Man may have sexually assaulted your brother earlier today. <laughs> wow. Ooh. What else can happen today? This whole mystery of the identity of uh, Liz's dad, like what his last name is, reminds me of the uh, the season one cliffhanger of South Park, where you don't know who Cartman's dad is, and... It's this whole thing of, you know, is it, what, you know, I don't know. For some reason, that pops into my head here. But I guess that's just me. So Liz leaves before Peter can talk to her more, and she goes off with her dad, Mr. Brandt or Hilton or Alan or who knows what his name is. And I'm guessing that Liz, I don't know, this whole upset thing kind of comes out of nowhere. And I'm guessing maybe she just had like a big cry about all this recently. Like the truth of her love life hit her like a ton of bricks as she saw high school ending. That, you know, she's basically gone nowhere. Because this doesn't seem to be a sham. She seems actually upset that Peter never did give her a tumble to uh, coin a phrase. And I love still- this scene, though. I mean, it's it's so much better than, like, you know, manic, hysterical Betty Brant running away all the time. She's just, like, she's not even crying. She just looks really, really sad and looking down. But she's still kind of, you know, going about her business. It's, it's, much, it's much more realistic than you would think. Would you and have maybe, guessed in issue seven that we would actually be more sympathetic to Liz Allen than we are to Betty Brandt by this point? Yes. Oh, I, I don't see any problem with that at all. I mean, Betty Brandt is like a complete psycho, self-obsessed lunatic at this point. She's nuts. <laughs> She's completely batty. True that. Um, and maybe, son. maybe I'm a little too far from my teenage years, but I don't get uh, Liz's uh, thought process here of, well, it's more than just, uh, you know, a uh, a liking i've got a crush on you okay now i can never see you again i don't get that if she really likes him why can't she like make her feelings known and maybe try to pursue something with him? i think she just gave up on, i think she gave up on the on the possibility did make her- of uh peter i think when we go back to that fight that peter had with flashes and his uh friends i think she saw that peter was so concentrated on you know what they thought and everything and he never i think that kind of clip that he never really Pay much attention in like the last maybe like past twelve issues of comic books, which would be how long? Who knows how long in the in the actual comic book continuity? And so I think that was like you know okay, he really doesn't like me anymore. It's tough, but I gotta deal with this and move on, even though I still like him right now. I think. 
Well, I'm sure Josh will chime in here with some kind of uh, untold tales where something did happen <laughs> that I know nothing about. You do listen to the show. <laughs> well, maybe like her brother, like being arrested, you know, is part of what's bringing her down. Well, that could like, be. She's on her way to graduation, you know, and like, you know, hey, Liz, you know, your brother was found half naked and there's gold covered in <laughs> Go- oh, half, half naked and covered in gold. <laughs> Again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even want to know the context behind that, but I just know that Betty Brant's behind it. But see, Liz actually, I mean, I'm looking back, I'm trying to think back on Liz. She... <laughs> Liz retrospective. Okay, setting aside the future crazy directions she goes, marrying the Green Goblin and everything, and uh, <laughs> becoming daughter-in-law to the, to the Conqueror of Asgard, we, um... She's... She was Flash Thompson's girlfriend, so she made fun of Peter a lot. And then she sort of had a change of heart and began to kind of take a liking to Peter. She was very catty around Betty, definitely. But not insanely so, not unreasonably so, just the kind of thing that teenage girls do when they're fighting over a boy, because I have so much experience there. And I don't know, she just seems like an actual, real human kind of individual to me. I, I, I kind of It's also like, the fact that, as, as much as we bring up the fact that Betty Brant is a teenager... It's really hard to visualize her as a teenager just by the way she's written, the way she comes off in the comic book. I mean, do, are, they, are they explicitly t- stated that Betty is a teenager? Not on the page. Uh, Not at this point. So I think that, you know, like that backwards BS explanation Stanley had, is, oh, she's, she's younger than Peter. I think that's really like afterthought, and they were writing her as a not, – not a middle-aged woman, but an older woman who was, who was you know, really – because if you think back to a lot of old-time 50s stuff, the woman is always in a lot of stories, you know – the more emotional one, the more like one to judge the conclusions. And Betty, I think, is written not as a girl but as a teenager, and I think that's what they're kind of going for. Well, I always got the impression that Betty was a teenager, but kind of maybe like a year or two removed from high school, like out in the workforce, but still maybe like eighteen or nineteen. Yeah, that's the impression. That's the uh, explanation that Stan gave in the back of a book once, but it's never been said yeah. on the page uh, exactly how old she is. Um, I have his ass, yeah. But they you said know, that it, she was younger than Peter, but yeah, that did, was they, like to. Yeah, you're right. They said that she was actually a year behind Peter, but she had dropped out, which I don't even know if that's legal at this point in history. But whatever. It's fifty years ago, you know. It's fifty. Nothing, nothing, nothing's legal anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know what's legal. Oh yeah. This uh, is like sob story. It's so like I had a crush on you, Peter, but you always paid more attention to Betty Brands. You know, your actual girlfriend. It's like yeah. Well, okay, well, okay. Here's here's my thing on that. I, I have like thesis for everything. Um, Betty, not only is she a teenager, but she's you know she's popular. She's she has wealth. I think she probably saw. You mean Liz? Uh, oh yeah, yeah, Liz, Liz, Liz Allen, Hilton Allen. She's uh, I think she she's one of those teenage girls like who's like kind of you know, uh, kind of like how spectacular Spider-Man was. You know how how does he you know not go after me and go after other girls? Like she's she's like. What does he see in her? And that, after a while, kind of got to her confidence and maybe, I don't know, affected it somehow. I'm, I'm just kind of rationalizing like the teenage aspect of her, of her uh, personality and putting that on a lot of things. So you're trying to get into the mind of a crazy teenage girl? Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> it's an old hat, my friend. <laughs> Before we feel too sorry for Liz Allen, let's remember 
she was dating Flash Thompson, but in public and in front of Flash's friends, she would make a play for, by all accounts, Flash's worst enemy and rival, and then insult Flash Thompson's intelligence and brains to his face in front of his friends in public as well. So, yeah, there was that. And then, but then, you know, but then at the end of the day, she would still date him, but then embarrass him in front of his friends and make plays for other peoples in front of him. Well, in my household, I call that marriage. Hey! <laughs> no wonder Harry Osborne like cracked up so much. Like you know, I mean, it, it, no, it wasn't the abusive father; it was the crazy wife. Right. Like, well, well, so well, you're well, saying the problems of all men come from women? <laughs> Is that what you're saying? The problems from Marvel Man, men stupid. come from women. Have you seen Marvel girlfriends? Like my God! Like. Is that like a porn movie? What are you talking about, Marvel girlfriends? <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, look, at, look at who we've been talking be. about. I'm the last, that like, introduction no, right away. <laughs> no, I mean, Doris Evans, my God, no wonder Johnny Storm didn't like just like burn New York to the ground one day. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, and, and then, of course, Alicia Masters, who's like, no, Ben, I only like you when you're ugly and hideous and everyone else hates you. I'm the only one who appreciates the real you. Don't you dare try and make yourself look better. I only <laughs> love you whenever you don't love yourself. Exactly. I mean, like, <laughs> you're only is, okay whenever you're not okay. <laughs> so you're saying that the role of uh, um, women wives and girlfriend in the Marvel Universe is to wear down their men into tiny little nubs? Yes! <laughs> they have. Wow. But no, Liz Liz was a horrible person in the fly, and the Peter as well. It was, I mean, you know, let's not... Okay, okay, well, oh, 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 okay. horrible, may, probably, yes. I, I probably. would say that Betty's worse because... Oh, Betty's yes. like she her, she's more psychological. I mean, Be- Liz is annoying, and you know she did she did that. But that's what a teenage girl would do, you know. Betty is like okay, who's a teenager as well? It's like you know, oh, I'll, I'll date you tomorrow, Peter. You you cheater, you. I'm I'm going on my date with Ned now. Bye bye. WTF? So Liz, we could probably say that in some cases, is sometimes she's a little vindictive or spiteful. But Betty is just completely neurotic, crazy. Breaks yes. down for anything. Socio. Yeah. Betty, Betty no yeah. longer is a functioning member of the human society. Betty is a sociopath. <laughs> That's very good. Betty operates in a world ruled by sociopathy. Sociopathy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, well, let's, let's, one thing completely unrelated uh, to Liz, but to the graduation, what gets me is uh, so many people are up in arms about the next Spider-Man movie. Oh, he has to be a teenager. He has to be a teenager in high school. He has to get back to his roots. That's the real Spider-Man. But out of, what, 640-some issues, only 28 was he actually in high school. Mm-hmm. I completely forgot so, about that. We should, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we haven't even gotten to the best Spidey of the 60s yet. I mean, we haven't really gotten to the heart of the Ramita era and all the, I mean, Gwen Stacy and things that people really think about when they think about, you know, this era mm-hmm. of Spider-Man. The, the brainwasher? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, there's the brainwasher. We'll just forget about that. <laughs> but... I mean, I don't want to say maybe, maybe saying we haven't gotten to the best of the '60s is is you know totally my own opinion because uh, everybody has you know their opinion of what the best is. But Spider-Man, no, I would agree with you there. I mean, to me, the the best eras of Spider-Man are the '60s and the '80s, and of the '60s, the, the late Ditko '60s stuff, think, you know, yeah. and continues to improve. We have the Master Planner ahead of us. We have yeah. the Unmasking of the Green Goblin ahead of us. We have the Return of the Green Goblin. And all these other great stories that happen after he graduates high school. Agreed. True that. 
Another completely unrelated to the graduation thing is that um, we finally have African-American people being colored with brown tones instead of gray pencils. <laughs> I appreciate that very much. I, I, I do too. <laughs> Actually, like in my version, they're, they're so heavily inked. They're heavily like, they're, they're heavy shadow. But the, uh, but the, you know, all that white stuff in, in your copy is, is brown colored instead of gray, as opposed to the past issues where they were always gray. Now, granted, uh, back then the coloring process obviously was nowhere near as uh, intricate and complex as it is now, and it was it was actually hard to get some certain flesh tone colors. So, you know, similar to a uh, in uh, Hulk number one where he came out green, or uh, Gabe Jones in the early um, Sergeant Fury uh, issues, he came out gray. Once they kind of refined the process a bit, the colors were corrected better. Yeah. Actually, the Hulk was intended to be green and accidentally came out gray. Is that right? Yeah, that's what I was trying to say in okay. my roundabout way. Peter does rejoin his aunt after deconstructing Liz Allen and Betty Brant. And uh, <laughs> after all that time, she is still being regaled by her future stepson, his wonderful charm. Yes, the newspaper business is always exciting. Once I was even accused of being the Green Goblin. Oh, dear. Oh, oh, oh. That's as ridiculous as accusing my nephew Peter of being Spider-Man. Point to Josh. Whoa. Whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> but it's not ridiculous, but Peter is Spider-Man. Oh, but Aunt May doesn't know. She doesn't realize the gold mine that she's sitting on. <laughs> wait mind. a minute, wait a minute. To make matters even more ironic, the man who publishes photos of Spider-Man, who hates him, is regaling Spider-Man saying, oh, this is too much. It's even better than like a few pages ago when Peter was on his way to graduation and he says, I wonder how many other fellows in my profession have to hurry home in time for their high school graduation. <laughs> you can practically hear Stanley saying, hey, true believers, did you ever read an issue of Superman where Superman's aunt yelled at him for staying out late? Or an issue of <laughs> Batman where he had to hurry home for his graduation? Ho, ho, ho. Not an, only in Marvel. <laughs> Mary Marvel marching <laughs> madness. <laughs> we, we talked in the JR uh, unreleased episode, which is now released if you're hearing this, about the Green Goblin thing. And it fits so well into that plot hole. Because <laughs> Crime Master, when he dies, like his vault is supposed to be open and everyone's supposed to know who the Green Goblin is and that it's J. Jonah Jameson. But the vault was open and nothing ever happened. But since we know, like, from Untold Tales that ev that uh, Crime Master thought that it was Jameson, then we're to assume that between issue 28 and last issue, which was 27, the vault was open. The cops said, oh, Jameson's the Green Goblin. They probably accused him and investigated him, and he came clean because, you know, the Green Goblin was in Nevada when Jonah was in New York. So this totally fits in a roundabout way. It's very cool because Spider-Man's awesome, which is why we have this podcast. And our story ends with Peter escorting May and Anna back home. But, as with all of life, it isn't really an ending, but a beginning. The beginning of a new chapter in the life of the world's most amazing teenager. And of those whom fate has tossed into his web of destiny. Da, da, da! <laughs> <laughs> so before we get into all of our further discussions, a couple of things. This is the last appearance of Wilson Allen. And it's the only appearance of Doris Raxton Allen. She doesn't no, get a name isn't. here. No, it isn't. Really? That's also 
She was in that web spinner story, and she was like a ditzy oh. Stepford mom. Oh, my index was incorrect then. Okay, if you are listening to this podcast and you have a role in the official index of the Marvel Universe, check it out. Hmm. Yeah, Liz is like looking at her dress, and she's talking to her mom, and she's like, which actually doesn't make sense if that was like their second marriage, because she's like, your dad took me the prom. It was so wonderful. And like, you get the point that like, this is just like, one of those Stepford women who, like, mm-hmm. doesn't have a brain anymore. She's just kind of operating on autopilot. Okay, and Josh, I give you my title of comic book archival researcher at this point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Peter has Dumbo ears in that bottom, like, panel of the story. Uh, kind of, yeah. The Spider-Man eyes, they look like Dumbo ears. Oh, and, uh, yeah. He yeah. Looks like also the last weird. appearance of, um, you know, Spencer Smart as a good character. Because next time he appears, he's a, he's a wacko. Because, yeah, he goes crazy and then goes dead. <laughs> and this is uh, Principal Davis's last appearance for a while. He will show up again in 1995 in an issue of the Spectacular yep. Spider-Man. Clone Saga. Yep. Yep, he was in the Clone Saga. Number 225. Oh, yes. Which we covered. Okay, so um, I don't think we talked about this much. What do we think of the Molten Man? <laughs> I think we did. <laughs> 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 Well, I think we basically ripped him a new gold-covered sphincter. Of the of the classically Dicko villains who are used over and over again, like the Scorpion and the Green Goblin and the Vulture, Electro, Molten Man, he was used very sparingly for a while, and he's been killed off a few times, too. And then, There have like, been a couple of different Molten Men, haven't there? Because there, um, was, a, there, there was a Molten Man. There was a civil- guy in JMS's run, but that wasn't a Molten Man. He was just kind oh, of similar. Oh, Eddie uh, yeah. There was well, a Molten I, Man that showed up in Civil War, like, as a minor appearance, but I didn't that know was that Raxton. was Raxton, but because the next time we see Raxton, he's been holed up in Liz Osborne's cellar for years. I don't know exactly what the story was supposed to be there. Yeah, we, we find out that he and Liz are related, which I guess fits. It's like, oh, okay, that's what a random that? relation, but, like, his motivation for, like, his next few appearances after that are always coming after Liz, and Liz being like, no, keep him away from me. And then, like, finally, in the in the late 80s or early 90s, there's a story where he's coming back again. And it plays off exactly like the last three or four Molten Man stories where, like, he's coming after Liz and Liz is hiding and Spider-Man goes after him. And he's like, Liz, I'm coming for you and I want $10,000. No. And then at the end, he's like, Liz, I've been paroled and I'd like $10,000 to get my life back together. Oh, this was just a misunderstanding. And then, and then Harry's like, I'll do better than that. I'll give you a job. And then they shake hands. And then, like, all of a sudden, Molten Man's the good guy for a while. And, like, he's helping Liz run Osborne after Industries after Harry dies. And Spider-Man is filmed in front of a live studio audience. <laughs> I swear, it's like this web issue. Like, he's like, Liz, I want $10,000. I need it in 24 hours. That is all. Oh, Harry, what are we going to do? And then Spider-Man's fighting him and like, he's like, no, you don't understand. But I'm not going to explain it to you because that would mean that this comic would be like three pages long. So let's fight. <laughs> Liz, I want my money so I can put my life back together because I'm a responsible person now. <laughs> After I smack you around. Even though I tried to, I don't know why you're so afraid of me. Could it be because I tried to murder you a few times? Like, there's one at the, where at the end of like the issue, he's about to die because like a building's collapsing on him. He's like, Liz, I don't want to die alone. Stay in the building with me, then we'll die together. <laughs> yeah, is that is that the uh, the one where Liz comes back? It's it's in Len Wein's run. 
Uh, yeah, which it was is, like uh, one seventy something, like one seventy three or yes, something like I, that. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he like follows her and Harry to New Jersey uh, in the in the early spectacular issues, which is actually the first time that you saw Harry and Liz after a few years, and it turned out that they had gotten married in between like issues. Oh, really? You don't see the wedding? No, you don't see the wedding. Like Peter's like, I wonder what happened to Harry and Liz, and he calls Flash. He's like, Yeah, they got married. Huh, it's a shame none of us were invited to the wedding. Oh well. <laughs> that's really how it happens flash is like yeah i wasn't invited to the wedding either so yeah so then molten man he's like literally like a supporting character who's like just this random gold person who appears in the background of like osborne scenes without explanation and a I spider-man liked that. I-, I liked the I-, I liked the 90s era molten man where he was a good guy he would you know like especially uh, is it aspect yeah, 200 where you know there's that really weird scene with a uh, Harry and Liz and Multiman and Spider-Man at the, at the table, and so I was like, "Well, at least at least, at least Braxton's got my back, you know. I got I got some back up here. I, I like that interesting aspect of a villain who kind of reforms, but then they kind of rescind on that around Civil War for one reason or another." Well, even th- there's been some st- even before Civil War in the reboot, uh, they uh, had like uh, Multiman was brainwashed and was like going through the city trying to kill Allison Mongrain. And he, like, winds up killing her, and then, like, he passes out. And then, like, every few years, like, now that's the new Molten Man thing. He'll be brainwashed by somebody to be a villain again. Like, the chameleon made him uh, join the deadly foes of Spider-Man post-Civil War by threatening little Normie. And then, for some reason, um, in Brand New Day era, he decided to, like, be a villain again because he didn't like Harry anymore. Like, yeah, that's really nice. Harry will, like, you know, the one guy who gave you a job and, like, you know, gave you a second chance after you were a criminal, try and murder him, sure. <laughs> He's just visiting his ex-wife and his son. He's like, how dare you visit your family who you abandoned? Oh, this uh, is interesting. What's interesting? What's up? I'm looking at that web issue, and, like, we get a bigger history of the Multiman, but apparently, uh, okay... When we were, Liz is saying, when we were kids, he and stepfather, my dad, were always fighting, and most of those fights were a result of Mark's <sighs> temper. So yeah, this issue it like tells you that it was Liz's dad who was Mark's stepdad, and that he left home after high school, and that Liz didn't hear from him again for years until Peter told her about the accident that he witnessed in Smythe's lab. So apparently, like when this issue was happening, Liz hasn't spoken to Mark in years. Okay, so d- does she even know that he's behind the Molten Man at this point? We can speculate that, like, maybe she heard about it, like, before graduation. Like, hey, remember that brother of yours who you haven't seen in years? Right. Apparently, he just got arrested. That whole logic, it's okay to steal my costume because it's mine. That's, like, I I find, first of all, that's stupid. That's, like, Batman Begins, where Bruce Wayne's like, aha, I'm stealing from my own company. But it's okay because it's my own company. Like, no, that's that's still stealing. That's that's (laughs) not how it works. And he, he's afraid of Smythe being suspicious, but what's Smythe going to think, you know, when he looks and he sees that the costume's obviously been replaced? Because obviously you can tell the difference between the store-bought costume. And then when Braxton's falling into the machine, that's like, this guy is very, like, you know, talkative as he's falling. As he's getting knocked <laughs> into the machine, he has time to say, the jar struck the wall. It broke. The liquid is all spilling out. <laughs> that means we both lose. It was the only batch we produced. We'll have to start all over again. Either he said all that in the span of one second, or he was falling in like slow motion because there's an anti-gravity machine. He's yeah. like those guys at the end of uh, radio commercials that that shout, shout out all the legal stuff in like three seconds, you know, in the really <laughs> quick voice. But see, Josh, you don't understand the power of the. 
it's like holding him in the middle of the air there. Yeah. <laughs> with the Peter Parker costume thing, I mean, it's, it's not like I mean, it's not like Smythe bought the costume. He he technically stole it when he took that robot. I know, but it's like I just say I, I, they like point out like as if Stan's like we don't want readers to complain that Peter's a thief, so let's have him say, "Haha, it's not stealing because it's really mine." <laughs> I, I I just hate that logic. Like you're not stealing something if it's yours. It's like this okay. money's mine because I want it. <laughs> It, it's 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 easy to explain why we didn't see Smythe again because at the end of the Spider Slayer storyline he talks about oh well back to the drawing board so like let's say he's six months behind now then here he's like oh the research it's all gone all those long weary hours wasted so now if he's like six months behind on his research now he's like twelve months behind so that explains why we didn't see him for a while but he seems like so calm about it right what was the original intent of this molten alloy to begin with. That the two of them were working on together. What were they going to do with this? It's a new Cheerios topping. So to read Richard's <laughs> To make the world a better place. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so I touched on this briefly in my little family rant, but Anna Watson calls Mary Jane her daughter here. I can't wait to go home and tell my daughter Mary Jane about it. Stan just doesn't remember anything. No. I mean, is she talking about Liz Hilton there? <laughs> yeah, I mean... <laughs> And it's kind of implying that Mary Jane is living with Anna Watson, which, again, again. at this point in continuity, like, the, the, you know, it's it's not really continuity error because it's retcon years later that Mary Jane's just visiting from New Jersey all the time. Or not New Jersey, Pittsburgh. So, yeah, that's it. We do get uh, foreshadowing for Ned Leeds' return because they're like, uh, the Scorpion returns. And another familiar face you shall see when your eager eyes behold the Wonderment. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Yay, Wonderment. <laughs> I would speculate the idea that uh, the Molten Man was purely a Steve Ditko creation because after issue 35, you don't see him used at all by Stan. So I got to think that Stan had either had no interest in him or he just had no hand in creating him. Hmm. That's interesting. Well, Stan also Stan. ignored like the Scorpion for a long time, too. Like after 29, we don't see the Scorpion again. And it very well could be the case there, too, because uh, probably a lot of the villains that you see in the later run of Steve Ditko's, Steve probably created a lot of them, and Stan probably just thought, what the heck is this, and never used them. Because at that point, they probably pretty much weren't really working together much. I can can imagine saying that for the Multiman, as we've demonstrated through the science, but um, the Scorpion (laughs) seems like it would be a very Dick or a very uh, Lee-esque kind of thing, but I don't know. Well, I could see, because villains like the Multiman, how much can you really do with him? And the Scorpion, hey, I have an idea. Let's do a story where the Scorpion comes back, and he tries to kill J. Jonah Jameson. But get this, the only one that can save Jonah is his worst enemy, Spider-Man. You know, you can only do that story, like, 900 <laughs> times before it gets boring. True. I was going to say something about Liz again. There's a difference between Liz Allen, you know, the Steve Ditko teenage high school Liz Allen, because, you know... We see her once, you know, in between Peter, like in the summer before he gets starts college. But there's a difference. There's a stark difference between her in every issue before this, and then her after you see her. Because I think this is the only issue where I think you see that the Liz Allen of the modern era, despite the fact that the the major opinion of Liz, Liz Allen's character is the high school cheerleader girlfriend or slash love interest of Peter Parker, and I think it's interesting that you know. Her character is mainly, you know, in the, in the comics continuity, what she is after this issue. But the major opinion is everything up to this issue, which is an interesting kind of contradiction, I think. I don't know if you guys agree with that or not. 
I think it's just really neat that we get at like a really good human moment from her here that she's not putting on airs. She's not trying to make a front, you know, as, as like a girl, a cheerleader, girlfriend kind of person. I don't know. She's just kind of coming clean at this point. Just being herself. Finally. I think that it's a very like Marvel and like, I don't want to say realistic because that sounds pretentious, but believable thing that, you know, when Peter's graduating high school, it's not going to be like, you know, like a sitcom or something where he's in college with all the same people who he went to high school with. Like, Liz is moving on, and she's actually not in the comic for about 100 issues. I think that that makes sense. I mean, really, there's the only characters who were developed from Peter's high school, though, were Flash and Liz, though. So Right. And Seymour. Seymour got this huge character arc over the next, you know, 20, 30 years. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. You know, and, and, and Sally Avril. Right. Sally Avril. <laughs> superhero. Wait. I mean, what, what is she doing right now? I mean, um, I know that she's we have still a- dead. Still dead. <laughs> oh, that's when she's dead. You know, the, the, there's actually like, you know, in the Marvel Masterworks reprint of this issue where Peter's like, oh, Betty's not here. He's like, Sally's not here either. You know, and then we see like, you know, Peter think about Sally and how she's dead and stuff. Yeah. So, and, 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 she's and, very ready to probably still will. Who was also she's, dead. Yeah. <laughs> Sally Avril, still dead. <laughs> it's on our tombstone. <laughs> well, this obviously was the first issue where that little Pop Art Productions logo appeared. And um, I don't know if it's, it's common knowledge or any of you know, but at this point, Marvel was actually trying to change their name from Marvel Comics to Marvel Pop Art Productions. But it oh, make an official name miserably. change, not just... Yeah. They were actually trying to change the name, and that's why this logo appears. But uh, it was a, you know, a lousy attempt to change the name that, that completely failed within, what, a few issues? Yeah. And it went nowhere. And there's but a blurb that, about that in the in the spider's web. I, I can read here just so we can see what they were saying to the public. Really pretentious blurb. <laughs> yeah. Have you noticed the change in the trademark which appears in the left-hand corner of our cover? So many of you frantic fans have objected to calling our Marvel mags comics that we felt we just had to come up with a better name. And so from now on, you are no longer reading comic books when you read our little masterpieces. Instead, you're reading a pop art book. Remember, from now on, brand X, Y, and Z are comic books. When you buy a Marvel mag, you ask for a Marvel pop art book. We'll be checking on you, so don't let us down. Those are like the, the, guy, the, the, like the douchebags who call comic books graphic novels all the time. Oh. <laughs> from now on, so many people object to calling our television show a TV show. From now on, you're not watching a TV show. You're watching like a, a masterpiece photo play. theater. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Photo, yeah photo, oh, word, photo play. A visual drama. <laughs> visual drama, that's a good one. Yeah. I, I couldn't tell you why they were trying to do this or whose idea it was, but they were trying to change the name. Well, it sounds like what Josh <laughs> just said. sounds like a kind of pretentious, you know, I mean, I don't want to say pretentious like, you know, oh my gosh, they're terrible people, but just like sort of a, an inflated idea of <laughs> what, they, idea. what they were making. <laughs> Perhaps, maybe so also that... So many people have um, a problem with calling our comic books comic books. Um, okay, well, I have a problem with calling trees trees. Why don't we call them, you know, woodwork masterpieces extraordinaire? It's a tree. <laughs> God, serious. Also, we had some actually some pretty good stuff in the Spider's Web this month. Um, I did have a few letters uh, written down here that I wanted to bring up. There is a letter in the Spider's Web from L.L. Simpson suggesting that Peter date Jean Grey, Marvel Girl of the X-Men. He thinks that this would give both Betty Brant and Liz Allen 
and also the X-Men, something new to worry about. Oh, could you like imagine Betty needs, more to worry about? Betty needs more stuff to worry about, yeah. <laughs> Her head no, would the, explode. The letter writer speculated that Mary Jane was Jean Grey. At least yeah. that's what I got from the letter. Like it's like yeah. it's like, ooh, maybe when he meets Mary Jane it'll turn out to be Jean Grey. Like, what? How does How that does even make sense? I know, like Mary Jean Grey Watson person? I don't know. <laughs> I mean um, he he got the redhead right though. Then it also says that it'll be a change from the Human Torch, which is Spider-Man's regular guest star, which uh, I guess agrees with uh, Josh's point that you know uh, the Human Torch will become sort of a supporting character up through issue 21. And uh, she was writing from Tyler, Texas, which is just an hour from me. I- I'm sorry, L.L. Simpson. Why not have Peter consent to the date? When the girl arrives, it's Jean Grey, who's visiting her aunt. It doesn't <laughs> even make sense. <laughs> You know, I don't know if this was the case by issue 28, but uh, I had heard that it, somewhere I read that Stan actually admitted that some of these early issues that he made some of these letters up. Really? <laughs> what? Yeah. No! I don't know if that's common knowledge. I don't know how true that is, but I had read somewhere that now. <laughs> the, the early, early issues, uh, he had kind of just made some stuff, made some of the letters up. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. And it's not, like I'm give, it's not like I'm giving something away that I shouldn't. I've actually read this in publications. So, but I don't now know how to it is. Every, every single letter I bring to this podcast now, I'm going to be wondering if it's the fabric yeah. of Stan Lee's imagination. Oh, well, you know, my it's God. funny the, because. The one that said, that, you know, he should date, like, you know, a happening hit girl, and then a few issues later, Mary Jane pops up. Right. Well, you know. Some of the early letters, if you read them, they just sound like the things that Stan would write, where they have a lot of the alliterations and everything in it. So who knows? <laughs> I just figured it was, you know, Stan's, like, the fans were just emulating and, you know, sort of playing into the whole Let's Be Marvel fans gig. I don't know. And that's just why I always I thought that. I imagine that they probably, at this point, you know, in Marvel's history, they were probably getting a lot of letters anyway. So, yeah, I mean, maybe it was only for, like, the first, like, the first six issues. I agree. Probably it's uh, really the early ones and probably not at this point. Because Stan's writing a million books. I doubt that he has time to write like a lot of letters at this point. I'm sure at most it might have been just a few here and there, if that's really true. I I have no way of, uh, you know, finding out. I wonder if he uh, made up Ronald Miller's letter because Ronald Miller wants to know what detergent brand Peter uses for his costume. (laughs) <laughs> who, who 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 cares about what why would something <laughs> i don't know but if you read some of the early early letters they just sound like they're just written a little too clever to come from a kid <laughs> yeah no i'll agree with that there is a letter from edward brumby he says dear stan and steve you once said since when do we have competitors i'll tell you ever since you were on the stands I think your so-called superheroes are terrible. In fact, they're all copies, except Spider-Man. Don't think that I have just read one or two of your comics. I've read over 50 of them. I get them so I can read your letters pages. They're the only good thing I read in your comics. And I just... What? Yeah. And of course, Stan replies, we don't care if you like them. Just, just buy them. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. That's an awesome answer either way. Well, um, it's, it's honest. Yeah, right. Wayne Damon asks that they stop adding characters to Spider-Man's world. He feels that 24 villains and five co-stars is too much. <laughs> Wait till he meets the people who are going to be in ESU. We get a whopping, like, three first appearances in uh, issue 31. Yeah. 
a whole new cast of characters coming up. Uh, Bill and Steve, and I, I never know how to pronounce this name. It's either Keeper or Kuiper or it's K-U-I-P-E-R. I think it's Kuiper. They want to know how Mysterio was able to stay in the chair when his room was completely upside down. And I had asked about this in the episode. And Stan thinks that he might have had little hidden clamps holding him up. Sure. So there's your explanation from the source. Okay. <laughs> Josh says in his "Oh my God, make it stop" voice. <laughs> that that that's just my thing now. Whenever like they give like an explanation, that may, sometimes if I can't say, I just say okay. <laughs> yeah, like, like in the uh, Avengers issue. And our last letter I want to bring out is that Bob Manley wants to see Spider-Man at the wedding of Sue and Reed. He's got his wish granted. We'll be talking about that next episode. The very back, uh, one of the last, last, last pages is an ad for Record Riot. Do you guys have that? Uh, let's see. I do not. Record Riot, 60 smash songs for two ninety eight. Yes. Okay, I, I recognize all these songs from the 60s, but Josh, what the heck is number nine? We love you, Beatles. Number nine. <laughs> we number love nine. you, Beatles. Oh, yes, we do. We love you. There was, it was one of those, like, Beatles celebration songs that, like... Little fan club would, kind of things? Uh, I don't want to say fan club, but, like, there was groups that would basically, like, put out songs about how awesome the Beatles were, just so Beatles fans uh. would buy it. It would be like the equivalent of there, if there was like a new like singer out today and they did a song like, I love Justin Bieber and Miley Cyrus. Okay. That was actually <laughs> the theme song for my Beatles podcast for a little while. I actually had oh, We Love okay. You for so a few I'm gonna show my age. I'm going to show my age here. And this is probably, <laughs> that song is probably the equivalent of back in the early 80s, that song Pac-Man Fever. Yeah, kind of. I mean, okay. yeah. Thank you for saying I mean, something. I was worried that after I said that, there would be complete, utter silence. Little crickets, crickets tumbleweeds. <laughs> I was afraid I wouldn't know it. Like, I was like, where's he going with this? And, like, when he said number nine, I was like, well, there's that White Album song. But I, I, that, this, that was years later. You know that number oh, nine? Well, it, it completely didn't just went over my head that it was number nine. So, but, you know, oddly enough, it was. <laughs> okay, I just had to know that. I had no idea what that was. And I thought you would. Because he is the Beatle expert. Mm-hmm. And the monkeys, apparently. <laughs> well, they were the same group, right? Just like... Yeah. yeah. Just <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> so we do have uh, an ad here besides the um, We Love You Beatles record for more triumphs for Marvel. Fantastic Four number 42. To save you, why must I kill you? <laughs> oh, the irony... It brings the Frightful Four back to the continued story that they started by stealing the FF's powers in the first place. Only now, Ben Grimm has been hypnotized into helping them, and he and Reed have a big old smackdown in the course of the issue. Okay. Also, Daredevil, <laughs> no- <laughs> Daredevil number 9 has Matt visiting a European eye doctor at Karen's behest to see if his blindness can be cured, but turns out that the doctor has been captured by a bad guy in a castle because everyone lives in castles in Europe, and Matt gets captured too. And, of course, wackiness ensues. I remember that issue. Yeah, it, it was, it was a good one. Karen have been pressing... I, uh, I, I believe I have that issue, actually. <laughs> Karen have been pressing Matt for a while to get his eyes checked, and Matt was worried that if he got his eyes fixed, 
that it would take away his powers. They finally gave in because he left Karen and wanted to get laid. <laughs> We're going to talk about like how Marvel girlfriends are like horrible people. Like Karen Page basically was forcing Matt to do a medical procedure against his will. And oh yeah, she sold his <laughs> secret identity to the Kingpin so she can be a junkie. Yes. <laughs> Sergeant Fury 21 has the Howlers invading Hitler's turf to free a hostage. That's the name of the story, and that's the point of the story. And I, I, I know that Gerard said we shouldn't diss on Sergeant Fury, but every time I look at these covers and read the blurbs in the in the Marvel checklist, I'm just like, wow, really? What if Stan Lee had directed Inglorious Bastards? <laughs> this I is bet what it would I'm be filled in. with irony. <laughs> <laughs> wait a second, wait a second. In order I to must save... kill Hitler, yet he is my brother. Are you, oh wait, are you saying that Hitler wants to fight against all the people who aren't like Aryan race and tall and blonde haired and blue eyed but Hitler's not tall and blonde haired and blue eyed irony (laughs) (laughs) but yeah Stanley would have put irony everywhere and we have another page that says another annual masterpiece in the fabulous Marvel style we are creeping into annual season and we have journey into mystery annual number one Introducing Hercules to the polytheistic pantheon of Marveldom. And of course... Gladiator. Hercules. (laughs) This means that he and Thor have to fight. Oh, of course. What else does it mean? Of course. (laughs) And we'll be... Since we're entering annual season again, we'll be bringing you the second Spider-Man annual next episode. After these messages, we'll be right back.
Now you've crossed my favorite Beatles. So, before we go on to the next Spidey book, it might or might not be worth mentioning that the Marvel Tales Annual Number 2 came out on July 3rd this year. It would go on to be a Spidey reprint book, of course, but this particular issue had no Spider-Man in it. It had a, a bunch of other origin stories like the X-Men and some others, but no Spider-Man. It does include uh, Hulk number three with the Ringmaster that we talked about a few episodes back, Strange Tales 115, The Origin of Doctor Strange, Avengers number one, and Amazing Adult Fantasy number eight of all things. So that's Marvel Tales Annual number two. Just a few days later, on July 8th, 1965, Amazing Spider-Man 29 was released with an October cover date. And our special guest for this episode is going to tell us all about it. Take it away, Eddie! We have Amazing Spider-Man issue number 29. And on the cover, we have a great shot. Another great cover, like 28. Great shot of Spidey and the Scorpion, half in and half out of water. And whatever you do, wherever you go, never step on a scorpion. (laughs) And, oh my goodness... What a blurb on the inside on the splash page. On the surface, this may seem to be a superhero action thriller, but if you probe down deep, if you analyze each subtle nuance, if you dissect each philosophical phrase, if you study each non-existentialistic panel, you'll discover that it actually is a superhero action thriller. (laughs) (laughs) I saw what they they tricked me. Yes, and of course, when Academy Award time rolls around, leave us not forget. Writing and editing by Stan Lee. Plotting and drawing by Steve Ditko. Lettering and bordering by Sam Rosen. Again, full names, S-A-M. Wait, wait, wait. And, do, you, do you have lettering and bordering? Yes, it says lettering and bordering by. You don't have that? that? No. What oh, really? What are you looking at? I'm looking at a scan of the original oh. issue, supposedly. It says lettering and loafing by Sam Rosen. You know what? We are going to stifle the controversy right here because I am opening up the original issue. <laughs> oh, like, look. You know what? And you're from what I have, it is completely different. Wow. What were you reading off of the first time? I was reading off um, from a digital copy that I had that I just printed out. Okay. And the, the two the splash pages, yeah, they're different. Yeah, you know what I think it is? Because uh, in the version I printed out, it said lettering and boarding by Sam Rosen and then coloring and clowning by Andy Yankus, a name oh, I've never what? heard. No. And oh, is, yeah. We never get you know, coloring credits for these old issues. Right. Well, it's, it's in here, but in the original issue, it's not. You're right. Lettering and loafing by Sam Rosen. Wow. Interesting. Like, Hire Matt Gargan to do an investigative report oh. on like, why like <laughs> loafing was like changed to bordering. I've heard Matt Gargan's kind of uh, out of the business lately, though. Something happened to him, some medical problem. Hmm. All right, oh. so I'm going to continue on with what I have printed out. But if uh, we see any discrepancies, I'm going to go back to that original issue. Betty Brand changed it to Liz Allen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to derail this whole conversation for a minute. Do you have any? Memory stories of how you came into possession of these two particular issues. Um, are you, of twenty-eight and twenty-nine, you mean? Yeah. Yes, they were both bought on eBay years ago. Okay, just just randomly bought on eBay, not that you wandered into a comic book store he was and, a child, and yeah. saw the girl in a red dress, and she pointed to the blue rose, and you saw that there were okay. None of that. No, stuff. sorry, no, nope. Okay. <laughs> no, just good old eBay. All right. 
So our story starts with Peter trying on some uh, clothes and finding out that uh, they're suddenly getting too tight for him. So he goes to the bank to get out uh, what seems to be the last of his money and deciding not to spend it too fast, uh, goes wandering off to do some clothes shopping. But yet, uh, decides may- maybe I'll um, go shopping later and stop in to see Betty. That's a so, mistake. <laughs> <laughs> but meanwhile... We see some bars being ripped off a prison cell and the scorpion making his escape and basically exclaiming that uh, that he outsmarted the police by pretending to crack up so they'd give him his costume back, which I cannot imagine anyone being so stupid. <laughs> okay. And I think it's actually really funny because doesn't he actually go crazy later thinking that he can't take his costume off? Yes. Yeah. In, um Early spectacular Spider-Man issue. Yeah, so it's, it's some some awesome, and it's not yeah. really foreshadowing because it's not the same writer. But it, yeah, it's but in funny. that issue, Spidey does just walk up and say, "I don't know what you're talking about," and rips off his mask. <laughs> no, it's my it's face. Also, yeah, the uh. He's like, "Yo, I can't take my costume off." So uh. he explains here that he pretended to go crazy to get his costume back, which I would think that if the guy's going crazy, why would you give him his costume back? Secondly, he had plenty of time to repair the tail that was ripped off in issue twenty. So. He's got his costume. He's repairing it, and no one seems to think anything of it. When the when the Unabomber was put in jail, he acted a little crazy. Like we better give him his bombs back. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, (laughs) we want him nice and calm. Okay. Uh, Cut to the Daily Bugle, where uh, JJJ is talking to uh, Frederick. Help me out here. Thank you, Foswell. Name completely slipped my head. Where set up? Hold hold on. It's uh, a. is I'm looking at the masterwork copy and it says publisher of the famous New York Bugle. It does say New York Bugle. Yes, you're yeah, right. And why Bugle? That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I mean it is the New York Daily Bugle, but we never heard it referred to as just the New York Bugle before. Yeah, well, could it possibly be Stan didn't have enough room there in the caption and just Oh look, it's star photographer up. Peter Palmer. <laughs> <laughs> Well, in a bit of well, Sam is spending so much time writing out his entire name now that he doesn't. He takes shortcuts later. So in this panel, there's a bit of a setup here where uh, uh, Jameson is talking to Foswell about the uh, reports of the cat burglar that uh, comes up later. Not in this issue, but obviously later on. Okay, but off to the good stuff here. Oh, um, also, uh, robberies of scientific equipment that comes up later on too. Uh, yes, yes. Not the science. well peter goes to find betty brant where she finds him talking to newly returned from europe ned leeds you can like hear like the music like this scene in the background he's looking at betty he's like she's she's in such a good mood and then like he's like walking up to her the love music and then like i wonder who she's hello there parker long time no see and then like the record screeching to a halt (laughs) 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 because Betty, who would freak out anytime she would see a random woman walking anywhere close to Peter, is suddenly, oh, isn't it wonderful? Look, Ned is back. Preach it. Preach it. She actually actually even gets jealous whenever Aunt May is around Peter, but she has to stifle that one because she knows that's just too crazy. Yeah, that's that's taking it a little too far. This is the woman who joined a cult and told people to open up the coffin of her dead husband to check if he was breathing. So there is no (laughs) there is no crazy like, you know, turning point. (laughs) There is no boundary for Betty. Right. And she wonders why nobody came to her birthday last year. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Hmm. So it's actually canon. Betty has no friends. (laughs) (laughs) As she deserves. That's the quote. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's canon. It's in the issue. Betty has no friends. <laughs> I'm on Facebook right now. No, I'm doing it. It's mine. It's mine. I tell uh, you. <laughs> now, the panel that makes me laugh is the last one on this page where the police officer runs in looking for uh, uh, J. Jonah Jameson. And Jameson's first reaction is, hey, I put a dime in the parking meter. I can prove it. First of all, how do you prove you put a dime in the parking meter? How do you prove that? Well, you take a picture of yourself dropping the diamond, holding the newspaper next to you, you know, to show the date and time and all that. You know, like Lee Harvey Oswald with the rifle. <laughs> what is? I, I don't get that. But even to, to the amount of that, money that you would like, you know, use to like prove something like that. <laughs> yeah, but to top that, the police officer says, "Oh, it's nothing to do with parking this time." This time. So obviously, the same guy has been coming up there bugging him about the meter for who knows how many times. Jameson actually carries a a Polaroid camera with him now. He takes a picture of himself inserting money. (laughs) Exactly. Doesn't he own the building? Like, like, (laughs) shouldn't he get like parking compensation or something? (laughs) That's a parking other people's spaces because that's how he rolls. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I, I know Jonah's supposed to be a miser and everything, but, like, a dime? Like, really? Like, is he screwed <laughs> up now? Apparently. So, this police officer notifies uh, Jameson that the Scorpion has escaped, and uh, basically that he's threatening uh, Jonah's life. So, Jonah throws it off, saying, well, why would he be threatening me? Bah, pshaw. But, obviously, <laughs> turning away is sweating, scared. So... From there, we have the good part where Peter Parker is asking Betty Brant out. And, oh, no, Peter, no. Ned is taking me to see Golden Boy tomorrow night. So uh, Betty, who cannot even stand to see Liz anywhere near Peter, is suddenly announcing, that, oh, no, I have another date. I can't go out with you. Testify. Huh? No, yeah. this is not even as bad as the Scorpion's first appearance in issue 20. Or no, I'm sorry. Was it issue? No, issue yeah, 19. 20 uh, yeah, no, it was 20. 20 was, but I was I was confusing that scene with the one the scene issue 19 where like Betty like takes out her calendar and she's like, "You can date me this night," and Ned can take date me this night, and then like <laughs> like Ned comes and Peter's like, "You two have a good time on your date tonight, Betty. I'll see you tomorrow," and she's like, "Okay, bye." Like you know this weird arrangement that they effing have. Yes. But don't you dare look at another woman, Peter. Don't you dare. Like, as, oh, as, as, no. as they say in the next issue with the Scorpion, where he's like, I know I don't have the right to make you date, tell you not to date other men. She's like, I don't want to talk about that right now. But, oh, she wanted mm-hmm. to talk next issue when Dory Evans was there. <laughs> so so the, the, Jonah. The, the drama's fun here, but I do actually have a cultural note because I didn't know what Golden Boy was. Oh, yes. I looked it up, too. Yeah, It's, it's a 1937 it, Broadway play. That they adapted to a musical and released on Broadway in 1964. Sammy Davis Jr. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. 568 performances is how long it ran. So it was definitely still playing around this time. They're actually seeing a a docu film about uh, about the events of last issue. What? What? Molten Man. (laughs) Molten Man. Golden Boy. Really? Golden Boy is a docu film about the events of last issue. I'm there (laughs) now, sir. What color appears clothes? Because to me, they look like the same clothes that were that he was wearing in the Kurt Busiek, Alex Ross made series Marvels, where he like showed a picture of uh, Jameson and about the looters. Says, "Oh, these pictures make Spider-Man look terrible." And Phil Schulman gives him like the, the stare of death. Like, so is it? Is he wearing like a, like a dark, uh, like a dark black and lavender, or or no, not lavender, dark black and like brown 
vest kind of thing? It's okay, a yellow well, vest. Yeah, it's a yellow vest with a, a dark brown shirt, but yet if you look in the original issue, it's a yellow vest with a white shirt. Weird. So go figure. Well, it's so heavily inked. How can it be white? Well, it's, I mean, it's not colored where it's not inked, so I guess it's, I don't know why it's inked so heavily. That's kind of strange that it is, actually. I don't know, unless it's supposed to be black and the white is supposed to be the highlights. That'd be weird. Yeah, it would be. Dicko! Dicko! (laughs) So Ned leads on, you know, on the scene that you're mentioning, when Peter's leaving, he's like, leaving so soon, Parker, don't tell me you're scared of the scorpion. And then Peter punch Ned Leeds in the face and like throws him out the window and throws him into the like, sun. Yeah, like at least in like you know issues eighteen and nineteen and twenty, Ned was you know f- you know kind of a nice guy. <laughs> like, well, this, I, I guess it all depends on how you read it because it could be like, oh, don't tell me you're afraid of the scorpion. Like, ha ha ha, joking around. He does have a smile on his face, and in yeah. the page before, he had said you had a good sense of humor. I think, I think he's honestly trying to be friendly. Like I've been friends with you for at least a week, so I can kid you around now instead of I'm trying to steal your girlfriend away. And I just came back from Europe, so I can you know tease you. I, I, yeah. I don't think he's he trying to emasculate. It. He's trying to emasculate Peter in front of Betty. That's what he's trying to do. What was I saying? <laughs> I don't, don't tell me you're afraid of a big bad costume superpowered serial killer. Uh, Parker, why would you be afraid of that? <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever see uh, Cheers? They they had a running subplot with uh, Woody and uh, his girlfriend Kelly and this like guy from Europe who was always like trying to steal uh, Woody's girlfriend Kelly from him, and he was so like overt about it, but he'd like pass it off as a joke. And he's like, hey, Woody, did I mention I'm going to steal your girlfriend? Ha, ha, ha. And then Kelly would be like, oh, he's such a kidder. And he's like, that's what she told me in the shower this morning. Oh, oh I'm just... ho, ho. Wow. <laughs> it, it was like a running plot line for half a season. And like he's like, oh, no, I lost my green card. I guess we're going to have to get married. So now we have Jonah suddenly worried and scared that, oh, my God, the, the enemy that I created is coming after me. Ooh, irony. <laughs> so... Basically, Peter heads out as Spider-Man to, uh, with the bright idea of, gee, if I make myself uh, be seen so readily, maybe the Scorpion will come after me. But little t- does he know that the Scorpion decides, whoa, well, goodness, well, he's creating a diversion, so I'm going to go straight to the Daily Bugle without anyone seeing me. With his <laughs> magical springtail powers. Yes. <laughs> Which is yes. awesome. <laughs> and he's it, a backwards boner. Now, I just, okay, going back, okay, okay, okay. His suit. They gave it to him in the stupid prison. Yeah. <laughs> it was in shambles. Because, I mean, we remember last time, Spidey ripped the whole tail right off his back. Exactly. And so not only did they give him his suit, but also the means with which to repair it. Here and is, no one even bothers to think anything of it. Here is a dismantled gun and a screwdriver. Please Have put fun. it back to... <laughs> it's just like... <laughs> why? <laughs> and, and he added magical spring powers so we see on the top of page 7 uh, Jonah's big plan of getting Spider-Man to come after the Scorpion is basically making up news that they are partners and once again I do not understand how Jonah can get away with making up news all the time and no one even says a thing it's the 60s it, but it's an ongoing <laughs> thing of I own a paper I'm going to say whatever I want I don't care if it's true <laughs> so basically, Peter, Spider-Man, gets the wise idea of, oh, wait a minute, 
I played right into Scorpy's hands, and he's probably gone straight to the Daily Bugle, which, of course, he has. And he busts right into... Now, here's a funny thing that uh, Josh brought up earlier. He busts right into the J. Jonah's office, and <laughs> Jonah feels a breeze behind him when the scorpion walks in. And rather than turn around to see what it is, he just keeps looking straight ahead in the opposite direction, saying, that's funny, I thought I felt a draft behind me. Which is what and I always people, say whenever I feel a draft. Sure. No, most people, correct me if I'm wrong, wouldn't you just turn around and look before you even say anything? But no, okay. So, uh, basically, the scorpion starts to destroy Jonah's office, trying to catch Again. him, chasing him around. Now, I have a question here. How old at this point in the series would you say Jonah is? 51. I would say he's at least, he's about maybe... 50s, 60s. Oh, what, you mean currently in modern times? Well, in this issue. In this issue? I think he's like about maybe 43, 45. Really? That's it? I would think he's older than that because I'm 42. And I, I mean, he's, you know, older. You can obviously see the lines on his face, the grays, uh, gray right. hair on the side of his head. Different times. I mean, all that smoking anything. I don't know. I mean, I would think he's probably late 50s, somewhere around there. Well, the reason I bring that up is uh, for an older guy, he sure can move. I mean, he's avoiding <laughs> it pretty, pretty nimbly. I mean, he's really moving. Look at those legs. He's got some ag- agility going on there. Well, that exactly. costume might be a little bulky, you know. I mean, Gargan. The, the Jonah Jameson costume? No, <laughs> yeah, the Jonah Jameson costume for the Jonah robot. No, the Scorpion's costume. Like, maybe that tail moves, like, slow. I mean, maybe when Gargan tries to run, the costume, like, slows him down. It's like the stupid Avatar Last Airbender movie where to make the uh, waterbending happen, they have to do like 16 karate moves to make like yeah. five drops of water float in the air. Archie, yeah. Yeah. Like maybe I, like they're running and it looks like really dramatic, but like Jonah's going like two miles per hour and Gargan's going like two miles per hour. He's like, get back here. <laughs> I guarantee this was like in the 67 cartoon where like he's like, the, the the animation models like 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 running as fast as they can, but he's actually moving like very slowly out the out of the door. <laughs> All right, so basically, then at this point, we see Jonah cornered by the scorpion, and luckily, just in the nick of time, here comes Spider-Man right through the window to help Spider-Man. save him. Oh, Spider-Man! Oh goodness! <laughs> this is the last time uh, we see Betty. Oh, no, this is the last time we see Betty. Yes, there's some some good Betty stuff coming up here. Uh, Spider-Man, pretty, Spider-Man goes straight to Scorpion, uh, hitting and swatting to try to save Jonah. And uh, I got to say that the fight that goes on at this point from now to almost the end of the issue has got to be like a really, really good fight as far as uh, Ditko-Lee run goes. Oh, um, yeah. And the, right the, both the, both yeah. the choreography of the fight and the scripting. I mean, that yeah. last on page 10, the two Ned Leeds panels, that's brilliant. Oh, Watch yeah. Out, I'm getting to that, too. Yeah. First of all, we <laughs> we have Ned doing the complete total seal block move of "I'll save Betty, you go after the big, horrible, scary monster, powerful guy." <laughs> Basically, telling Spider Man what to do. Oh, get, go get the scorpion. I'll take care of Betty. He's like, "Why?" They're teaming yeah, up. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's, it's like the Ned leads team up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, team, sorry. Ned Leeds in the Spider Man. As Betty, like, cowers, like, you know, catatonic, unable to say anything, you know. You don't see her face for, like, the entire issue. Oh, you know, goodness. I mean, I've hung out with loan sharks and I saw my brother get shot for me, and Dr. Octopus kidnaps me and possibly sexually assaults me every other week, but this is just too much. <laughs> 
you know, she had, I mean, she was, she was pretty okay when the Scorpion showed up in issue 20, but like here it's like, oh my God, she's having, she just wants attention from Ned Leeds, you know, God. Seriously, like there's no reason for this. She's probably no, like fully aware of everything that's going on. She's like, oh, maybe, you know, maybe this will get Ned to pay attention to me. Oh, Ned, <laughs> the Scorpion. Oh, 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 oh. It's okay, <laughs> Betty. Just, you know, cry inside of my jacket. So Ned gives Spider-Man the, uh, wonderful insight of oh watch out for his tail and then we see the next uh the last panel where spider-man comes flying upside down into the wall and ned telling him i told you to watch out for his tail and a nice little touch of spider-man saying ah shut up and since obviously he is upside down so is his uh his balloon his speech oh, balloon. Shut up! <laughs> so the fight ensues continuously in jonah's office and um uh, Eventually, oh, oh, I remember. This is uh, one of the notes I have here. I like to imagine oh, yeah. this fight like sped up with the Benny Hill music. <laughs> <laughs> In page on page eleven, uh, basically when Spider Man is coming in to save Jonah, he's like cowering, going, "Oh my, Spidey, Spidey, hit him, hit him again, hit him harder, harder." Oh, you know, oh, save me, save me. But then, uh, first panel on page twelve, it's like, "Hey, you incompetent bum! You know, he's making you look like a bum here." So, you know, at one minute, it's like, oh, save me. The next minute, it's, hey, doofus, what are you doing on the ground? So the fight eventually, when the police arrive, the fight uh, starts to go outside when the scorpion escapes and Spidey chases him. And suddenly we have, at this point, Jonah turning into a big tough guy of, oh, yeah, come awesome. back here, you cowards. Oh, look at you, yellow, both of you taken off. And, of course, and he then, misspells riddance. When the police, you know, the same police who probably gave the Scorpion his costume back. No, hold your fire. Jonah's in no immediate danger. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> the Scorpion's trying to kill him. And yeah. Spider-Man obviously is not, like, close to stopping him. And, hey, Spider-Man, you know, which we as the reader know he's the hero. But the police, you know, they're not so sure. So these, these two maniacs, you know, one who's tried to murder Jonah on multiple occasions, are, like, five feet away from him. Nope, hold your fire. <laughs> <laughs> Everything seems to be in order here. <laughs> yeah. Okay, people, move along. There's nothing to see here. Of course, if they ever did a what if about, like, what if, you know, the cops hadn't held their fire, like, Ned Leeds probably would have been shot, and then we would have gotten a retread of issue, like, 11 with Betty hitting Spider-Man. It's all your fault, I say. Your fault. Your fault. I hate you, Spider-Man, till the day you die. There'll be two lovers that have died in a fight with Spider-Man. And Spider-Man thinking, I don't care, as long as Ned Leeds is dead. <laughs> and then Spider-Man would have been like, hey, Leeds, like, kicking his dead body. I told you to watch out for the bullets, huh? huh? <laughs> <laughs> with, the, with the dick kill, like, like Peter Parker evil face. <laughs> told you to watch out for the bullets, Leeds. Why didn't you listen? <laughs> <laughs> so we have Jonah standing in his uh, newly destroyed office. Suddenly wondering, oh my god, look at everything's destroyed, but yet thinking, ha ha, little did they know, I've been wanting to get rid of this junk for years, and the insurance isn't going to pay for it all, nyuck nyuck. And then, it looks uh, like he's pulling a Sergeant Fury stance there in front of the cameras. I don't like to oh, say Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But before dude. that, of course, we have uh, Ned <laughs> suddenly, you know, taking care of Betty, saying, oh, I must take her home, you know. Uh, I have to see her face. home, of course, of course, just, uh, <laughs> I'll take it out of her pay, no worry, because he's all heart. Yeah, and then, of course, yeah, in front of the cameras, trying to look all tough and, and, you know, big and tough. Look at me, I'm a hero. You know, I, I took on Scorpion and Spider-Man in my own office. <laughs> Make sure these pictures do me justice. Get my courageous yes. expression. My yeah, fearless. 
my what clenched fists, my determination, my fighting stance. My Popeye forearms. And then the <laughs> yeah. last panel, you know, like he looks like he's a baby sucking on a lollipop. Okay, you know what? <laughs> I think Steve Ditko like discovered this expression because he uses it a lot whenever Jameson gets worried over the next couple of issues. And I think it's genius. I mean, he's just like my worried sucking on my cigar expression. I, I think it's ama- I think it's really funny. I'll, I'll make sure to look out for it. You do have to say that uh, Steve Ditko did have a talent for uh, oddball faces that tell a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So here he is worried again that the Scorpion's going to come back for him. Uh, but we have uh, cut two. The fight takes place uh, once again outside, out in the open, among the uh, rooftops and the water towers. And uh, this page especially, 14, I think is just pretty amazing as far as Ditko work goes. And Spider-Man fashions himself some web bolas to uh, ensnare and entangle a scorpion. And off the rooftop they go. I have to say, though, I know that this is not the first time he's used web bolas, but I was thinking about it while I was reading this issue, and I just don't buy it. Oh, come on. The thing with bolas is that like the balls on the ends of the strings, they're solid metal. They have some mass to them. That's how they function. And I just don't think right. this webbing has the density to make an effective bola. I, I I don't buy it. Not at all. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 This, this, this is this is what we're not going to buy. I call bull you know? stuff. <laughs> yeah, this, this is what we're going to call bull stuff on. You know, not right. not not everything. Not else. not the best. Not the paddles. Not the skis. Not the parachute. You know, I already <laughs> said magic springtail earlier, so I don't know what you're talking about. Exactly. So off the rooftops and eventually into the water goes the fight, which uh, we have um, on page 17, the third panel, which mimics the cover, which is kind of a nice touch, I think. I like it when they do that, really do. Yeah, and um, he does manage to web up the scorpion underwater which i really would like to know how that happens in the 90s cartoon he can't do that does he and he tries that in the the hydroman episode like he's underwater and like electric eels are going after him and tries to web them underwater but it doesn't it like immediately uh dissipates yeah i'll buy that they function underwater i won't buy that the web fluid works underwater that it that it sprays out like a net like that reed richards probably gave him like an unstable molecules thing Reed Richards and Doctor Strange and Tony Stark teamed up to create this, you know, you psychic web shooter block. <laughs> but, Tony, but Tony would only do it if they told him that STDs were involved. <laughs> I well, wish I could think. say that that was like pulled out of left field, but it wasn't. That's how they do it in the issue. It's like, come on, Tony. It's just like giving STDs to the world. Ooh, well, now you say that. <laughs> Why didn't you say so? So, well, you got to think, though, uh, if they're shooting out with a particular velocity, you know, of any, you know, of a decent amount, yeah, I would imagine them working underwater. But if you're at the mercy of the water's current, I can't see how he could have any control over them. No, no, we were glad we're in agreement with that. That and the web bolas. Right. No, 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 no. The web bolas make perfect sense. And Liz Hilton. Of course. Anna Watson's daughter, Mary Jane. Right. (laughs) And Jonah flirting with his future stepmother. (laughs) So Spider-Man uses the logic that basically that he can keep the scorpion underwater and tire him out because he can't hold his breath as long as I can. Which I say, how does he know that? 
Which that okay? Yeah. So that means yeah. his logic is: I'm gonna fight the scorpion underwater long enough so that he'll drown. Pretty much. <laughs> I mean, this is a, my little witnesses are wasted on you right now. Yeah, this I'm, is not I'm, just an overcome him in a fight technique here. This is a let's 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 fight until he dies tactic. Yeah. <laughs> and the fact that he pulls him out of the, of the water unconscious but still alive was a complete accident. Right. <laughs> Oh, so well. he leaves him webbed up for the police. He, use, he uses the tail to like pump out the water out of his lungs. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I could see Stan like making up scientific facts. Like everyone knows that spiders can hold their breath underwater longer than scorpions. I just see the Saturday morning cartoon where he's like doing a ring, ring, ring on the tail, and <laughs> water comes out. So he leaves him webbed up for the police, and once again, I have to bring up the issue of. Then what? What do the police do with him? The webbing is going to dissolve, dissolve. The scorpion is obviously much stronger than the police. How do they get him into a cell? We Was better leave costume? him his costume, you know, because he might get upset. Yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because one thing about the scorpion is that, I mean, sure, the costume gives him his tail, but other than that, he retains all of his other powers. What, what I mean, limited as though they may be. Super right. strength and pinch open fire on his legs and, you know, just, just drag him in there. His mummy rocket boots. <laughs> Sorry, okay. that's Superman reference. So at this point, the fight being over, Peter manages to wring out his costume and head back to the Daily Bugle, where he... So Jonah says, no, Ned Leeds took your girlfriend home. Oh, yeah, Smiling. yeah, that's <laughs> right. Here's my note. Yeah. Oh, did you see Betty? Oh, no, Ned took her. Yeah, Ned stole Ned her took away. Her home. Right. Yeah, they're probably, they're probably having sex right now. <laughs> <laughs> he, he is an Olympic medal winning sex artist, you know. <laughs> and I'm actually, I'm actually checking the original issue because in the copy that I have printed out here, um, Peter's clothes have changed color yet again. <laughs> no, in the, in, the, in the issue, it's the same. Okay, because now he's wearing a gray shirt as opposed to a brown one earlier. Maybe it was supposed to be gray the whole time, but in, in the issue, it's still the white, the heavily inked white. Yeah, Stanley okay, Collins. so... Who was the colorist on this again? Because he's having trouble apparently with browns and grays. Yeah, well, I have it here, remember? And it's not in the original issue. <laughs> Andy and Yankus, whoever that is. Never heard of him until just now. And this was the Marvel Tales edition that you're reading? I am reading a printout from a digital copy I have that looks like it's from a Masterworks by the coloring. Masterworks, so, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. so it could be a later coloring, you know, recoloring. So Peter tries to call Betty, but no answer, and then goes home. And uh, this gets me. I, and this always cracks me up and always ticks me off. Aunt May says, uh, ask him, did you go for a walk? Why, yes, I did. Uh. Oh, well, sure, you don't overdo it. You know, you must be sure to take a little rest every few blocks. I don't get why she thinks Peter is such a, a weakling that he cannot even walk more than a block without collapsing. Even Peter's like, Jesus Christ, stop, stop Yeah, it's like, enough already, lady. <laughs> <laughs> like, in her mind, apparently he walks like a block and a half and suddenly just collapses on the, on the ground unconscious. It's a collapsed on the street. Actual <laughs> <laughs> dialogue, Fred, that someone said to Aunt May in the 90s animated series, like, he's like peter collapsed on the street take me to him oh goodness (laughs) maybe peter had asthma before he got spider powers i'm trying to think if there's any like like, like ridiculous retcon where he like because i know he got injured sometimes when he was a kid but i I mean he wasn't a sickly kid when he got bitten i mean he's just you know a nerd i mean 
apparently still like washes Peter's hair and stuff. It's been partially explained that she's overprotective because she lost a child before having Peter, but it's, it's, it doesn't really fully explain just how psychotic she is about it. <laughs> no, not at all. Well, apparently the husband. child she lost walked a block and a half and collapsed somewhere, apparently. <laughs> oh, goodness. Like, you know, <laughs> that's how she lost him. Hello. <laughs> her, her brother and sister-in-law were like, died in a plane crash. You know, her, her husband got shot. Um, her, some relative of hers got euthanized, according to a Paul Jenkins story. I mean, this Goodness. woman has like the touch of death, so she's probably <laughs> she probably believes everything that she sees on like Dateline or Twenty Twenty. Like you know, <laughs> teenagers are collapsing in the street at a record rate. <laughs> oh goodness! Be sure to tell your teenager the only walk a block <laughs> and rest. Wow. Yes. <laughs> so Peter calls Betty again and finally gets someone on the other line. And what? Huh? Who? It's Ned Leeds. Oh. who tells Peter that that the doctor came and Betty is so distraught and so horrible that she must rest. Oh. So when Betty asks, oh, who is it? Who is it? Who's calling for me? Oh, don't worry, Betty. It can't be anything important. Don't disturb <laughs> yourself. You and it's this rest. woman. Like She appears in this panel and one panel next issue and then never again. Yes. Yeah, because Betty has no friends. Betty probably, probably alienated her, too, because when <laughs> Betty gets married now. in issue 156, she only has one bridesmaid, and it's Mary Jane. Like, she can't even get her own friend. She's got to get, like, the current girlfriend of her ex-boyfriend. Her ex-boyfriend's current girlfriend. Like, she, she can only get one bridesmaid. <laughs> well, when I mean, you're crazy probably, like that, you just, just push everybody away at some point. No one wants to be around will, you. She probably woke up and was like, my friend and Ned Leeds are talking together. Oh, you blonde boys, get out of my apartment. It's like, Ned, you obviously don't know how things work, so let me sit down and explain it to you. I thought that you were hilarious from this attack from the scorpion. Oh, that's right. Oh, goodness, Ned, hold me, hold me. Okay, did you notice like what her last event to which she reacted was? before she fainted or started, you know, huddling in Ned's arms okay. is the giant tail coming after her. And she's like, there's no, there's no escaping his deadly tail. And I just think that fits right yeah, into her whole, yeah, Dr. Octopus fear, like ah. flashbacks popped into her mind and sent her all sorts of, you know, <laughs> places in her mind. And that's what caused mm-hmm. her to pass out. She's got a blanket over her and like a washcloth over her forehead for crying out loud. She doesn't have the swine flu. (laughs) All the energy that they're putting in the taking care of this hypochondriac woman. Like Aunt May May has actual heart attacks and like. (laughs) Right. Now I'm assuming she has to make her nephew breakfast the next day. Yeah. Well, I'm at this point that, that both Ned and this friend don't realize how crazy Betty is, so they're just playing into her whole uh, craziness. Yeah. Find she out, needs though. a girlfriend to stay the night. She needs a blanket, and she needs, like... <sighs> is it, what issue is it, uh, Josh? The issue that you told me about, that you sent me the panels from, where um, how much you value our marriage conversation between Ned and Betty, what issue is that? It's issue 280. Of Amazing Spider-Man? Yeah. Okay. So we have 250 issues before Ned realizes just how crazy Betty is. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the I'm issue where years. Ned's leaving, and she's like, Ned, why are you leaving? And he's like, you're cheating on me with someone who's in jail. 
and you still can't make up your mind on, on who you love. Doesn't our marriage mean anything to you? To which, like, my God. Poor Ned. Like, if I was Ned, I would have just, like, done, like, a Glenn Quagmire-style speech for the next 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> this is the same woman that, like, when she went to marriage counseling, she had to quit her job for, like, a month, you know, because marriage counseling is that, like, trying of an experience. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this one, well, much, her mother's a vegetable, practically, like, according to Untold Tales, you know, and this... She's like, you know, can't have people taking care of her mother. But, you know, when when Betty sees someone, she needs two people at the apartment to take care of her. And her girlfriend's going to stay the night, you know, because. <laughs> I, I just think that just regular life is just way too much for her at this point. Well, yeah, when, when she <laughs> was unplugging in like, an electrical socket in issue 25, she's like, oh, what a thrill. I'm like an adventure novelist. <laughs> so Ned tells Peter that, OK, fine, I'll tell her you called. And he says, yeah, right, whatever. Tell her I called. Aunt May is in the kitchen thinking, Peter looks a little tired today. Uh, what that dear boy needs is a good tonic. Uh, this makes me laugh because, I mean, was this the 1800s tonic? I mean, did she pick it up from like the traveling medicine show that went by the house or something? <laughs> tonic. <laughs> to fix your, what ails you, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But he can't drink it too fast, you know, because he's such a fragile boy. If he drinks it too fast, he'll probably choke. Right. You know, on, you know choking on the liquid, Peter might drown. I'm like, oh, you know, sure. God forbid he's drinking while he walks a block and a half, he'll explode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, don't, right. don't drink a tonic and then go walking. <laughs> oh, no, of course not. So oh, it's like, it's like you hear this. the door slam, you hear a <laughs> I knew it! I knew it! I knew it! <laughs> so, it's really Green Goblin attacking. In yeah. the middle of this, suddenly Aunt May's uh, collapse. Uh, everything is spinning, and she's suddenly dizzy. But when Peter runs in, she plays it off as, Oh, nothing, dear. I just dropped a glass. And he says, oh, Are you sure that's all? Oh, sure. That's all. That's all. I mustn't worry him. It's probably nothing serious. I must not let him know that I'm feeling anything wrong. Or, Dear God, woman, go to a hospital. You don't feel good. Tell your nephew, let him take you to a hospital. But, oh, but if no. he drives more than half a mile, you know. <laughs> 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 so that's the thing is that, I mean, on the one hand, this is actually a pretty common mindset, at least in, in the. And the family members that I've dealt with, you know, not worrying your, your, your children and everything about your health because you feel like you should be able to take care of yourself. That's a pretty common mindset. It's actually one of the few things that Aunt May has done in the entire 29 issues we've read that makes sense to me. Okay, but, well, I just find it odd because I would think that for whatever – especially if this is the case where she, no matter what, must be around to take care of Peter – because, oh, the, he'll be all alone, the poor boy. He can't do anything. He can't even, you know, figure out how to feed himself or bathe yeah, that, himself. Yeah, that, that, that was my uh, other hand is that, you know, on the other hand, she's doing it if, because she's not worried about her, you know, has now graduated from high school. And we've talked about, you know. He's been the sole provider for that household for the past 29 right. issues. I mean, like, who will take care of this lonely, lonely boy? Like, okay, he, in the, in 19s, in the middle of the 60s, when you graduate high school, you will never see your parents again. Not literally, but, you know, you're supposed to move out, you know. You're a man. Like, basically make something of yourself. Hey, your aunt, nonetheless. He's like, what? who will take care of this lonely boy? It's like, she really had it coming when Gwen Stacy yelled at her about that several, <laughs> several hundred issues later. Like, Agreed. Agreed. That was like the first sensical thing I saw as far as how people treated Aunt May when she finally, Gwen let her have it. 
Treated her with contempt. <laughs> exactly. Wait, wait, wait. When does this happen? He's got. Oh, this was much later. Uh, can someone possibly bring it up? There was this, a point it, where uh, yeah. I can't place the numbers. It's around the yeah. Conway issues. run, I think. Early hundreds. Oh well, it was like the the very end of the Stan Lee run, actually, because I think Stan wrote it, but then Conway continued the plot line because right. It was another Peter's missing thing, and Aunt May's like, oh, my darling Peter, where did he go? And Gwen was already losing her mind at that point, so she's like, he's not a boy, he's a man. And, uh, and what a man. He you to take care of him. And then Aunt May responds by running away from home like she's 12 years old. Like, she leaves a note like, <laughs> you'll never see me again. But that's, yeah. that's, a comedy, that's a comedy run because she goes to the Dark Hawk, right? Yeah, but it was like a Stan Lee plotline that bled into the Conway run. Oh, like a Stan Lee second run. The, you know, issue that, the issue that Gwen yelled at him was, was a Stan Lee written issue. Yeah, and so basically Aunt May really is Betty Brant, just much, much older in, in this sense. Like, you know, oh, oh I must be the center of tension. <laughs> oh, if nobody's going to play into my, my craziness, I'm just going to take off and you'll never see me again. <laughs> oh my so God, because Betty does that all the time. Yeah, she's Betty Brant, just much older. <laughs> no wonder, yeah. like, May hates Betty. They're like... Yeah. Well, Peter has, you know, in these issues, well, obviously before he graduated high school, he's got two women fighting over him, Liz and, and, and Betty. And at the same time, uh, so much so that he's constantly turning down Aunt May's um, request to meet Mary Jane, but yet he's such a poor, lonely, lonely boy. So go figure. I wish I was that lonely. What does she think he's yeah. doing for the Daily Bugle? Taking pictures of, of pottery exhibits or something? Probably. <laughs> if you walk more than a block, please take a rest. But, oh, you go take those pictures of that awful Spider-Man and all those crazy villains. And she reads the paper, right? Because, you know, old people do. And sure. so she surely sees Peter's byline on the photographs in the paper. Yeah. She just maybe read the paper. She, maybe she thinks that's a different Peter Parker. Maybe it's Peter Palmer. <laughs> yeah. There's an in the first issue of Untold Tales, like there's a news report on TV, and Aunt May turns it off, and she's like, "You can't watch that; you'll get nightmares." Wow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I have. Yeah. That. It's like he's five years old for crying out loud. Jeez. I bet you she, she probably like you know she probably like gave him baths until he was in high school. Oh my God, I wouldn't be surprised if she tries to breastfeed him for crying out loud. The way she <laughs> like, I'm like Peter, Peter's like probably like talking to the kids and say, yeah, last night when my aunt May was giving me a bath. What? <laughs> what? What do you mean? What? Your your parents don't give you baths anymore? <laughs> but, 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 they, but what did they stop when you guys were 15? Like much earlier, Peter. What you mean? <laughs> she breastfed me till I was 11. Well, what do you mean? You're, you 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 don't you don't get breastfed by by your parents anymore? Well, everyone, check out Liz. She thinks that she's too good for her mother's breast milk. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? Some awkward. <laughs> That's why Peter gets picked on in high school. I know, I know, the entire the entire time, that entire room, Flash and Nevada did this like mouths agape, like staring at him, like what? Like mouthing WTF. Forest behind him. It's like Peter. Uh, no, you're. You, you, we, we've been bathing ourselves since since uh, since elementary school, and I, I have no memories of ever breastfeeding. And thank God I haven't. <laughs> so my point was, I don't think she is gentle and loving. I think she's rather manipulative and controlling of Peter. She killed uh, Uncle Ben because she thought that he wasn't a fit enough uh, older guardian because he was he wasn't as molly molly calling as she was. If so, he hadn't been <laughs> shot, she would have driven him to the grave. 
I think oh, like no it was probably he was like probably trying to leave her and she's like liar you were with that blonde you know girl like oh you mean like Mrs. Watson we were just talking she's our next door neighbor you were taking <laughs> out the trash with her like you know pulling like a Betty and Liz <laughs> she out touched your she hair. ran her fingers through your hair <laughs> yeah I, I, yeah a, a leaf fell in my hair she said oh you don't want to have that in there for when you go back to May <laughs> and then like <laughs> And then that's why Anna Watson's husband mysteriously disappeared. Like, you know, he was also shot by May. <laughs> well, as um, as amazing as this Aunt May tangent has been, any other specific notes that people have that didn't get covered along the way? A couple pages after the last page there is a, an advertisement for the Mary Marvel uh, bullpen page where you can order your own Spider-Man shirt and Marvel stationery. Mm-hmm. I would like to thank, and I say that sarcastically, I would like to thank Douglas Dartis of 1210 West Main, Ozark, Arkansas, for writing in my comic book. In the original, <laughs> in the original issue, that oh, no. was filled out. But I, I, you know, I, and you know, every time I see a kid write his name on, on the like, cover of a comic book or somewhere inside, it always ticks me off that, you know, hey, I got an issue that somebody wrote all over with, uh, over, but at least this, I'm thankful that he put his full name and address so I can track him down and smack him in the head for writing in my comic book. The only thing that saves him is he did check mark that he wants a Spider-Man t-shirt. So there. Well, he never actually sent off the order form though. No, no, he just left it in there. Thank you. Well, I guess it's better to have it filled out and left in than, than clipped out. Right. <laughs> That's pretty funny though. But, but yes, he did deface my original issue. I was—I thought you were going to tell a story about how you have this amazing Spider-Man T-shirt. Oh no, no, that would be nice. <laughs> Probably I mean, I'm sure that by now, forty by years now. later, it's crap and falling apart, and you know the cotton doesn't even hold together anymore. But it would be <laughs> yeah, cool to see. Probably. Yeah, but they did reissue that that particular design on on uh, newer issue T-shirts. So when Peter says, I wonder if she went anywhere if Ned leads, I sure wish he was just a creep so I could really dislike him. Oh, wait till you read the 70s and 80s issues. <laughs> wait for when, Where Ned goes from, like, you know, rival the Peter Parker to rival the Peter Parker who's a little snarky sometimes to complete an other jerk who manhandles everyone around him. And to the point where, like, I'm surprised that they weren't dancing Mardi Gras style on his grave. <laughs> what are you doing with my life? 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 We're at a child's birthday party. <laughs> <laughs> That's just the clown. <laughs> Wait, so the like, clown? Ned like, Ned like punches Peter in the face in like issue 193, you know, manhandles him on the streets in issue 194, grabs Peter's broken arm in issue 195, and then when Peter like, tell my wife you never want to see her again. Betty, I never want to see you again. Peter, why'd you talk to her like that, you jerk? Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that exactly. Tell my wife you never want to see her again. Betty, I never want to see you again. Peter, you. Ah! <laughs> and then, oh, God, the way he acted. Oh, God. Yelling at Vietnamese woman in the Falco run and then manhandling Flash and then, like, you know, saying to Betty, huh, huh, I hope that they shoot your boyfriend. <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny? <laughs> <laughs> And, and then, again, like, Josh, I give my comic book archival researcher title to you because <laughs> I don't even remember all this. <laughs> and I, I have every issue. To the, if you ever read the Gang War storyline, Ned's like, you know, a mustache twirling, twirling villain. He's like grabbing Betty like, you know, like his like 
estranged wife and like almost abusing her and like almost breaking her arm and then peter's like stop it and then he's like oh so you think it's okay for husbands and wives to cheat on each other (laughs) (laughs) oh so i was gonna add this to the aunt masonility before i realized it actually made a little bit of sense whenever peter walks in she says hello peter were you out for a walk dear and my first thought was did you not notice he was gone like all this time but then I looked back to the issue and realized that it wasn't really all this time. He planned to go shopping, went out, got some money, and got in a fight with the scorpion and went home. This is actually, as far as durations of time, this is one of the it's, shortest issues we've had. Yeah, if you look at the timeline, it is pretty quick. Yeah. It's just like, it's just like the Multiman issue in that like both fights, there's no stunt where like the villain gets away and they meet later in the issue. Like They both like, meet each other fight and he actually beats them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was all self-contained as far as that goes. And I got to say that it's actually one of, um, as far as Ditko's uh, artwork goes, one of the better ones in quite a while because it starts in uh, Jonah's office, from there goes out to the rooftops, and then from there off the rooftops into the water. So you've got like three settings all in the same fight, and it's a pretty long fight. And it actually, art-wise, I mean, flows really well and looks really good. over those I things. think I actually prefer this one over 20. I was, I was going to ask, oh, like, definitely. which one did you guys like better? I like this, this one, one for sure. Yeah. yeah. Trying to remember what else happened. I, 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 really, I really like the brutal the brutality of the, of the 20, but what I love is on page 16, like the panels of him, like web slinging. Like people talk, talk about how Todd McFarlane like reinvented Peter's web sling and everything. Like this is like, because he's upside down. He's like, you know, he's. Oh, this so, is some great Ditko webs. I, I didn't pay attention to it before, but you're right. This is some awesome stuff. It's really good, like especially with him like swinging with like carrying Scorpion, like like through, like with other yeah. stuff. Yeah, it's just classic Spider-Man, and you don't expect to see that kind of web swinging action from from Ditko, but it's excellent, and I love from I love panel it. to panel the way it flows. It it does it it does have a lot of flow from one panel to the next. So you could all almost imagine the arcs to the swing of, of each one, of each swing that he's doing here. So, yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, you, you just, if I can say anything about modern comics, you don't get that kind of fluid action anymore. I mean, modern comics, the art seems much more stiff than this as far as, like, from panel to panel, the real the flow of movement. And, and modern so comics really aren't nice. so much about sequential storytelling as they are grabbing a frame. And it's know. a shame, and it's a shame, because this really, Ditko really does have a touch for, um, for uh, panel-to-panel action and movement. And, I mean, this is a good example of it. And say what you will about his actual artwork and rendering. He knows how to tell a story. Oh, definitely. Uh, I like the foreshadowing, like how basically that conversation between Foswell and Jonah sets up the next two issues perfectly. That was one of my notes. I, I had... Um... The, you have the cat burglar, the theft of the scientific equipment, return of Ned Leeds, Betty's sickness, and Aunt May's dizziness. Five subplots are started in this issue. The return of Ned Leeds, ready PG-13. <laughs> the return Ned of Ned Leeds. I mean, and again, I mean, at the, spoiler alert, he's going to propose next issue. Like, at this point, they've had, like, maybe two dates. They, I guess they never went to see Golden Boy. You, di- you didn't read the letters they wrote back and forth while he was in Europe. Oh God! Or see the photos. Th- those those things can get pretty steamy. Oh, this is this this is me. After he probably proposed to her because, like, after the events of this issue, he's like, okay, if this girl lives by herself, she's probably going to see like an ant one day and like jump out her window and die. Well, it turns out that every other boy that Betty dates besides Peter, she bangs at the end of the date. 
So she and Ned have already like gone to the next level, and they're talking about that in their letters back and forth. And Peter just has, has no clue. And so they have this whole like you know intimate relationship going on, and he's ready to pop the question. You didn't know that, but it's true. I don't want to get into that. Like that's just a weirdo, and he has psychological issues. I mean, he are we still I going mean, on with the, the idea that a grown man's proposing to a teenager? I don't know. I don't know. But I mean, obviously, as we saw in the 80s, that guy was unstable. And you can do the retcon about like the Winkler machine brainwashing Ned. But Ned was not brainwashed in the Wolfman run when he was like accosting everybody for cheating on his for like, you know, having dalliances with his wife. So, I mean, he's obviously not of his right mind if he's proposing to a girl, a teenager who he barely knows. (laughs) that he's not in the right mind for accepting when she does. And. Well, barely well, know. I mean, they figure, were writing letters. You got yeah, to Oh yeah, I'm sorry. They were writing letters. Yes. Yeah. No. I mean, they 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 they, 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 they were closer than you know soulmates. Excuse I me. I had to throw that out there. <laughs> Plus, you also yeah. got to figure too. Ned has absolutely no idea how completely nut crazy Betty Bonkers. is. I mean, she probably. You know, in those letters, had made herself look all wonderful and, oh, you know, all flowery and everything, only to come to find out that once he does come back and spend some time around her, you know, eventually she's got to figure out that she's, yes, she's completely nuts. And in the process of them being married, she has driven him completely nuts. There's no, I got to imagine, there is no living with Betty. Everything that you do is wrong. Everything that you do sends her off in a complete hysterical tizzy. You can't do so anything right. even if you even if you just stand still doing nothing, she'll find something wrong and hysterical about it and run off crying. Back when we thought that Ned Leeds was the Hobgoblin, there was a Web of Spider-Man annual that did like, you know, origins of different villains. And when it got the Hobgoblin, it basically said it's all because of Betty. Betty made Ned go completely <laughs> insane and he became the Hobgoblin. So blame and Betty. And I believe it. I totally believe it. There's like there's a panel of Ned and Betty in bed together and Betty like wakes up screaming and Ned has this horrified look on his face and he's like he knew he had to do something. Like, oh my wife had a bad dream. I better become a murdering psychopath. Well we'll cross that road someday. Well, as far as him proposing to a teenager, uh, from what I said earlier, I you gotta figure Betty, besides, you know, regardless of what Stan said. I'm figuring she's probably must be like around 18 or 19 because, you know, straight out of high school, she didn't finish high school. She went straight into the workforce. So Ned's got to be like what? Early 20s. So you figure back then in the 60s, a man in his early 20s uh, uh, proposing and getting married to a woman in her late teens probably isn't that weird. Because a lot of people back then, you know, got married right away and, you know, started working right away and bought a house and started a family. Even, I mean... Even now, would you really a twenty-two man and an eighteen woman? Would you really consider it that weird? I would consider it. I wouldn't consider it weird. I would consider it very premature because I really don't think yeah. it's wise in this day and age for anyone to get married that young. I oh think yeah, it's a little, having gotten married that young, I, I consider it unwise to get married that young. I, we all I, know yeah. what really happened. Okay, well, so, none of it really happened, Josh. This is no. A no, what really yeah. happened was, you know, Aunt May, when she was going on one of her many Florida trips, she really went to Europe and then was like, oh, hello, Mrs. Parker. She's like, cut the shit. Okay, here's the thing. <laughs> Your European assignment is over. You're going to go back to New York. Here's $10,000. It's yours if you can get It's yours if you can get Betty Brand to marry you. Get that hussy out of my little poor Peter's life. 
<laughs> and she was staying in the Osborne Europe establishment. Oh, well, of course. <laughs> oh, May's like dropping her like she's like okay Ned <laughs> she like opens up a briefcase it's like that's all yours <laughs> yeah it's like in Pulp Fiction where she opens up the briefcase and, and the, the golden light just shines up on Ned his eyes get really big like saucers like is that what I think it is I've already, ta- I've already taken care of Liz Allen <laughs> Damn, I don't even know what that means. Stephalon Fluzzi's history. Aunt May, the diabolical mastermind of the Marvel Universe. <laughs> oh, it gets worse. Like, Mary Jane was alienated from, like, most of her family before she met Peter and her mother died. Like, Aunt May was probably engineering all that stuff, you know? Like, oh, sure. She's Mary probably telling Jane. Norman Osborn what master to do. Master planner. Or Aunt May is the master planner. Like, it's like, okay, at last. No more romantic competitions in Peter's life. Aunt May, I just met this girl named Gwen. And then she's like, oh, that's nice, dear. And Aunt May picks up the phone. Get me, Norman Osborn. <laughs> <laughs> if you notice on the, on the splash page, on the 1821 where they get married, and you have, like, the, the, the you know, the supporting characters, like, like, Jonah's crying and everything. Aunt May is the one that kind of looks, she looks happy, but she doesn't look as excited as you would think. She's more like, you know, she's like, mission accomplished. Where are you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Annual mission. 21. Um, it's like mission accomplished and like she looks over at like all the other girls and like Liz is married to the drug addict Betty Brandt's going insane because she thinks that her dead husband's still alive Gwen is six feet under the ground (laughs) (laughs) and And of course like any modern TV show and they still talks to Gwen's ghost (laughs) oh they killed him wow okay wow yeah, none of this actually happened, but man, you know, when we go on... <laughs> well, you know... The world we can build. We should write a novel. <laughs> I, yeah, I just, the, the Secret Life of Aunt May. I just yeah. love the idea of, like, Aunt May, like, in Europe at this cafe, like, with a briefcase, you know, like, opening up. She's, like, wearing a, fedo- she's, like, wearing, like, a hat and, like, a, a trench coat. She's wearing a, <laughs> she's wearing a fedora. She's, like, just... She's, like, I've already taken Liz... Taken care of Liz Allen. May Parker's journal. Maybe and then, like, and then in the middle of like the marriage, like you know, to Betty, like Ned's calling Aunt May. He's like, "The deal's off. I can't do it. Betty's too crazy." <laughs> so then Aunt May, like, she's the one who hired the foreigners' men to kill Ned. You know, got Ned. <laughs> yeah, I could see the two of them meeting in Europe, like in a dark parking lot. You don't see Aunt May. She's just in the shadows, just sliding the briefcase, you know, across the ground to Ned <laughs> in a fake voice. The deal's off. You never told me that Betty was crazy. It's like yeah. it's like it's like uh, the the nineties show where you know the kingpin's leaving uh, a, a shadow mystery. Got yourself a real bargain here, a real bargain. And he turns around, his Aunt May in the chair. It's like, <laughs> so well, I'm with you. I Peter Parker asks Sally Avril out in Amazing Fantasy issue fifteen. At this point, Sally Avril's dead because of a car accident. Who was driving the other car? Bum bum bum! Wow. And the thick plottings. <laughs> Sissy Ironwood has not been seen since the 70s. Deborah she Whitman. Was, she was barely seen in the 70s. What are you talking about? Oh, Aunt, Aunt May was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jean DeWolf. Who hired the Sin Eater to kill her? Aunt May's, you know, her hands are a little dirty. A little bit? I think they're painted dark red. <laughs> and dripping. So the scorpion... 
we will not be seeing him again until the original Clone Saga era, Amazing Spider-Man number 145. That's not to say he's completely absent from Marvel. He does give Captain America a couple hassles between now and then, but he's pretty scarcely used. So I hope you enjoyed this look at the Scorpion and Aunt May. When does he uh, get his get like the ability to, sh- to spit acid from his tail? Or is that from the 90s cartoon movie? I don't think... He he was in the Powerless trilogy, 341, 2, and 3. I don't think he had acid at that point. No, now, his tail did have a, a like an extra pointed protrusion on it, like a stinger. But it didn't it didn't eject or squirt anything. Oh, oh God! That's with that 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 was needed. Thanks. It, sorry, sorry <laughs> guys. My humor is all over the place tonight. It it it, it didn't shoot out suddenly. No. Okay. With, sure. With yeah. That, that, that's with why excitement. <laughs> it didn't yeah. drop a load on anyone. And in that issue, when the scorpion shows up, like. Peter, like before, like the cops go, he's like, "There's just one thing you need to do," and then it's like, cut them in the hospital room. I'm sorry, Mrs. Parker, for scaring you. You should be, young man. And then, like her and Peter share like a sitcom laugh about it. I like, that. that was stupid. <laughs> it's like I, I hate it. They that say, <laughs> "Never step on a scorpion." And like they're wah, laughing. Wah. She's <laughs> a freaking uh, great panther. I hated her during that. Where she's exactly. like you know, beating, beating people up with like like sizes. <laughs> yeah, and like, well, she does have that like inspirational speech to Mary Jane. You know, she's like, "No, you must go after Peter. You must never give up, even though his dead girlfriend is miraculously back." You know, I mean, you still got a shot. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Wait till we get wait, wait wait till we get to some of like the, the the later stuff with Mary Jane and like her dialogue like. Well, check out that far out hole in that wall. Like, crazy cool. Mary Jane, <laughs> this is serious damage to our house. It's going to cost us thousands of dollars. We might lose the house and the mortgage. Like, wow, dig that crazy hole in the wall. It's mad, Dad. Kiss my ears and call me drafty. This is the <laughs> most. The most what? <laughs> what, what, are you ta- what are you talking about, woman? Well, that's that's one of the issues, and I, and I was like, actually, with with Aunt May, she's like the most what? Because I never heard that that, that, that phrase. Yeah, that, that we're gonna talk about the next episode where it begins Aunt May's constant war with slang. The horrible, horrible <laughs> slang. I, I I think we've exhausted this story. <laughs> this, this is this is really just you know oh Scorpion's back and he then some. Yeah, <laughs> Scorpion's sure. back, but on to Aunt May breastfeeding and bathing Peter into high school. <laughs> 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 and why that's like stunted Peter's emotional growth and made him have no friends. Did you yeah, find yeah. that guy uh, on Facebook? I did not. <laughs> the guy filled out my coupon? He did okay. not turn up, so I don't know if he's dead <laughs> or what. Coupon. <laughs> well, John, St. John Wilson killed him with the help of Aunt May. Right? Apparently. <laughs> we teamed up in Marvel Team Up 34. You know about that Marvel Team Up where it's like Aunt May and, and Franklin Richards fighting Galactus? I didn't, <sighs> but I do now. Actually, no, I do remember hearing something about that. Like a comedy issue towards the end of the run? Or was it the second series? No, the, there was no there second series. There was only series. one series of Marvel Team Up. No, there was more than one series of Marvel Team Up. Oh, yeah, yeah. I I mean, like, the real series, not, like, Spider-Man team-up or, like, you know... When I said second series, I was thinking of, um... Oh, damn it, what was the other book that I was just thinking of? What If? Because What If, like, ran and got cancelled and started up again. For some reason, Mm -hmm. that's what I thought of when I said second series. But never mind. So, 
the spider's web had a lot of good stuff this month um jonah's robot did not get a very warm reception but aside from that um bill kagan has a letter that i just have to read here so bear with me on this um dear stan and steve after giving much thought to the subject of spider-man and conducting a careful analysis i have concluded that spider-man is distinctly unique from any other character in comicdom okay stan wrote that (laughs) <laughs> and based my hypothesis on Spider-Man as a magazine Spidey as a character has been dealt with before The following is my analysis of the amazing Spider-Man The name Spider-Man comes from the element Spidermium Which has the properties of excitement, adventure, and realism Spidermium wrote that Yeah <laughs> Spidermium is a relatively new element Having been successfully made by the madmen at the laboratories And he goes on about this you know, molecular form Spidermium is known as Spider-Man has two nuclei, one is stories by Stanley, stupendous artwork by Steve Ditko. It's really rather neurotic. And um, the response is, we've been panned, razzed, roasted, and toasted before. We've never been chemically analyzed. We appreciate it. It was okay. rather silly. <laughs> I think it's another guy who probably just needs to get laid. But Gary Bartlett, he said, I have been reading some of the recent issues of Tales of Suspense, and they have been featuring old stories of Captain America and Bucky. So why not have some stories in Spider-Man telling about what happened to Peter Parker's mother and father? Because he had to have a mother and father to be born. And now there is one of the most startling revelations we've heard in weeks. Was the response? They're they're, they're <laughs> robots. We do. I mean, for anyone who's listening who doesn't know, we are going to have a Peter Parker's parents story um, sometime in 2011. Is it going to be that soon? Really? Is it oh. that's like the fifth annual or something like that? Yeah. Yep. We're going to be five. Probably- we did annual one in June, annual two now. We'll have annual three done before the end of this year, and annual five next year. Spider-Man kills a guy in that issue, annual. That's right, I forgot. Laura Bush killed a guy. Yes, she did. Laura Bush killed a guy. Laura Bush killed a guy. But yeah, Spider-Man does totally kill a guy in that annual. It, it, he really does. It's kind of crazy. I read it to Lily a few weeks ago, and I was just like, did, did, did he just car bomb a guy? And he did, yeah. Oh, I remember that. Not not exactly, but yeah, not too much. I think this was in annual five. Annual five. The um, it's been a while, I don't that, remember. Was that. that weird, creepy old guy's nickname the the Hitman or something? The Finisher. The Finisher, yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Spider Man, like, oh, I guess the Finisher is finished. Spider Man, he's wah. dead. Yup, I know. I guess the <laughs> Finisher's career is finished. No, no, Spider Man, you're under arrest. You killed a guy. <laughs> H. Doyle Abernathy says that Spider-Man is fast becoming the worst of all Marvel's mags due to overuse of J. Jonah Jameson, (laughs) and that Steve Ditko is probably the worst artist ever to hold a job for any noticeable length of time in the Marvel bullpen. Stanley wrote that. (laughs) 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 Steve Ditko found out, and that's why he left. This is why he left Marvel. Okay, I see. It's overhurt feelings. John Hudson wants Spidey to meet the X-Men, which we will be talking about right around the end of this year. Uh, Stephen Russell requested that Steve Ditko's picture continue to never be published. Let us preserve the air of mystery over this camera cracker and not ruin a good copy of Spidey. What? Because <laughs> they had in the Marvel Tales annual, they had printed pictures I, uh, of all of the Marvel bullpen except for Steve Ditko. Except, yeah, it's right. Yeah, but it's still like Spider-Man will be ruined if I know what Steve Ditko looks like. I think it was being tongue-in-cheek, but yeah. No, I I I, I think they were serious. Steve Ditko that was all that. 
That was also Stan Lee because he's like, <laughs> we, 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 we can't have Steve in the spotlight. Yeah, I know that's a joke. I know this that we is, this is the new spotlight. suffix to every letter of import. It's like, uh, Stan Lee wrote that. <laughs> this, this is the new running gag. I'm, I'm sorry I brought it up. <laughs> you've, you've poisoned us. You've, you've... I've ruined it. Now we are poisoned to you. But you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna dig out. I know I have a book somewhere that that says that. I'm gonna dig it out and uh, let you guys know what it is. And we have a blurb here in this that marks a definite shift in Marvel's attitude toward DC. Check this out. Gee, have you noticed the sorry mess of Marvel imitations making the scene lately? Imitation may be the sincerest form of flattery and all that jazz. But we want to make darn sure no dyed-in-the-wool Marvel madman gets stuck with one of those inferior brand Eck versions of the real thing. So lull yourself to sleep each night with these imperishable words. It isn't a Marvel masterpiece unless it says Marvel on the cover trademark. Don't ever settle for less. You're too important to us. Remember, we found you first. And That's, that's like an abusive boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, I found you first. Don't settle for anyone else. Well, seeing as how DC has no one's gonna love market, you the way I do. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it wasn't that long ago that Stan Lee had said, you know, never, you know, we we'll take all the praise we can get, but never pan a competitor's mag. They're working just as hard as we are. But now something must have happened. I imagine behind the scenes because. This is going to begin a very long trend where Marvel actively attacks DC in their letters columns, calling them Brand Eck. And this is the first time Brand Eck was used in a Spider-Man book. Oh, so Brand Eck is a reference to... I, I honestly did not know that. Yeah. It's a reference to DC? Or at least the competitors in general, but I imagine DC chief among them. It's rather dickish. Well, really, in the mid-60s, what other competitors were there besides DC? Fawcett? Were they around uh, in the 60s? I don't know. I mean, I know Charlton was. But they were like, well, did it barely, how were sales on how were sales on Archie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Archie was around all that time. This was their heyday, right? Archie has like Obama and like Palin appearing, like sipping soda together in their newest book. That's weird. My wife picked up a comic book. She had me order a comic book for her. Veronica number 202 has the new regular character in the Archie universe that's going to be gay. And she wanted to get it for a friend. So that was interesting. So there were lots of blurbs for all the annuals that were coming around this time, saying that they're all already on sale, especially the Spider-Man and Fantastic Four ones. But my release info says that the Spidey and Fantastic Four books were still a month away. So I don't know if Stan jumped the gun on his ads or if my list is wrong. Either one is possible. But in any case, we'll be covering the Spider-Man annual next episode, along with issue number 30. And the next issue box reads, instead of giving you a big pitch for our next issue of Spider-Man, we'll merely say that it's written by Stan, drawn by Steve, and produced in the usual Marvel manner. In other words, it's the greatest. Get it. See you next issue. In other words, I really don't think that Stan and Steve knew what the next issue was going to be yet. And I think it was probably because the annual was in production around this time and they were just thrown off of their schedule. But we do have two ad pages this month, one for four more annual masterpieces. Because we are definitely full swing into Marvel's annual season for 1965. We have the third Fantastic Four annual and second Amazing Spider-Man annual. 
both of which will get some attention next episode, as we've said before. Another ad for the Journey into Mystery Annual with Hercules vs. Thor, and one for the first Sergeant Fury Annual, the first story that moved the Howlers out of World War II instead it had them reuniting for the Korean War. The second ad page had two more triumphs for Marvel. Fantastic Four 43 is entitled, Lo, There Shall Be an Ending which, as the name implies, finally wraps the story that's been running in Fantastic Four since issue 38. This is the one we mentioned last episode where Johnny lets Medusa slip away at the end of the fight. There is a great moment at the end where Reed calls the police to have them pick up the Frightful Four, and the chief thinks it's a prank call. And also, Sergeant Fury 22 is called Don't Turn Your Back on Bull McGivney, and features a fist fight while an air raid rages because we have our priorities in order. And that brings us to the end of issue 29 and the end of episode number 20 of Amazing Spider-Man Classics. want to give another big thank you to Eddie D'Angelini for bringing on the show with us this episode, and he will return with us next time to look at Annual 2 and issue number 30. I hope you enjoyed the episode, and if you would like to write us and tell us about why you did or did not, the email address is AmazingSpidermanClassics at gmail.com. You can also go to our website, AmazingSpiderMan.Libsyn.com, and leave a comment there. From there, you'll also find a link to our Facebook page. If you can hear the baby in the background, that is Keenan telling you all about why he likes Spider-Man as well. He'll be joining the show whenever he learns English. We did recently pass 100 on the Facebook page, 100 people liking us. We are very excited about all the people who've been supporting this show, and thank you for doing that. So uh, jump on board. Check it out. Try to keep the, uh, the page active as far as keeping you updated with information about the show, occasionally posting Spider-Man-related humor or news articles, and just you know keeping the community going. There's also now a Crawl Space message board section for Amazing Spider-Man Classics. If you go to spidermancrawlspace.com, there's a tab at the top that says Message Board. Click on that and scroll down to Amazing Spider-Man Classics. You can post a question for us there, and we will be addressing those in our email segments on future episodes. So before I go, I would like to remind you that Amazing Spider-Man Classics is brought to you by Roll2Play, your online source for games and gaming accessories. They have a variety of dice and other items, card games, board games, dice games, and they are currently offering 15% off to prepare you for the holidays. So give them a check out. And in the meantime, until next time, thank you for listening to Amazing Spider-Man Classics. Good night. Action is his reward to him. 
Life is a great big game. Wherever there's a hang, you'll find the Spider-Man. Now, if I don't have to... Never mind, I'm not going to say that. I was going to talk down to the audience, and I don't do that. Um, What's that about? Oh, just about the... Uh, explain that why having liquid metal is important, because metal isn't usually liquid, but people know that. Getting back to my page. Okay, he's naked now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this this reminds me of this whole like mystery over... Can they... Sorry? Josh? No, nothing. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, go ahead. I can't remember the joke I was going to make now. <sighs> the history of... You were saying the history of something. Oh. It was actually hard to get some certain flesh co- uh, clone, uh, flesh tone colors. So Did you say flesh clone colors? Because uh, <laughs> this is a spider yeah. so after all. Ah, a little slip of the tongue. Flesh tone, I meant. So finally. You can just edit all that out. No, no, no. We'll, we'll <laughs> and he will. <laughs> nah. Thank you. Hold on just one moment. <laughs> Hi, Ken- uh, Lily. Keenan, whatever your name is. Wow. Oh, God! <laughs> this is horrible. And you're whose kid again? <laughs> Whatever your name is. She's, she's, she's a, a member of the podcast. If it's, if it's Lily, if it's Keenan, you should put that thing. Waiting for us to go to bed. She, Lily has some thoughts about Liz Allen. My, uh, my daughter has been um, reading in her bedroom, waiting for me to come tell her that it's time to go to bed, and she uh, thought that I had forgotten to tell her it was time to go to bed. So Is, is everybody feeling all right? I know you guys had a stomach virus. Bess is still recovering, but I think she's going to be able to go back to work tomorrow. Keenan is still... We're hoping that he doesn't get sent home tomorrow for because he's still having problems with that, but uh, but it's not a, it's not a like a compo- all-day 15 type of thing. It's, you know, Winnie it's but it's not. It's gonna get cut out. Bess is wondering if I'm gonna leave in our. You know, don't, don't even put that in the bloopers. I don't, I don't ever want to hear it again. No, no, no. We're not gonna leave. <laughs> you asked. I'm just. I'm just. You know, the thing is, when you have kids, it's just like bodily fluids become a thing. Bess says no. That's never mind. I should. I should put a filter in. Well, you're making parenthood sound wonderful. <laughs> great. Actually, I, I have no shame when it talks to when it comes to bodily fluids. So. <laughs> <sighs> blah blah blah. So. Okay. <laughs> no. uh, John, John? How's huh? How's the recording? Oh, that's a good question. Uh oh. Yeah. Let me just go check. It's really. I mean, it's it only seven thirty for me, so hey. It just started again, again, so that tells me that they probably stopped recording before. Uh, let me just go check the recorder, though. Um. God, John, hey. you were scaring me. Sorry. What? Yeah. Oh my God. It's just like it's just like the time of JR when we were worried about the recording. No. So, I, so I just, this tells you, you know, who's who's. Oh, go go ahead. I'm sorry. I understand that. I, 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 if I'm going to check the recording, I have to actually go check it. But yeah, it's it's fine. I don't know why we're losing connection though. So many times. Yeah. Yeah. You're you're the one who's like dropping, which is odd. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you know the Molten Man? Yes. Yeah. I was going to say something about Liz again. Um. I completely forgot what it was. <laughs> Fail. Yes, I did, I did. Oh no, 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 I know what it was. I know what it was. It would be like the equivalent of there. There was like a new like singer out today, and they did a song like "I Love Justin Bieber and Miley Cyrus." Okay. I so wanna f- Britney Spears. I wanna f- 
like in a... <laughs> I, well, I, 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 okay. oh, yep, I lost you guys. Sorry, I think it was my uh, my my router took a dump for two seconds. I, I, I think it was the insanity of like <laughs> uh, uh, of parenting Aunt May style. Elderly yeah. breastfeeding that, that that nearly killed me. Means your let me let's let's go ahead and uh, finish out the uh, the episode, and then we can talk more about um the the gay theater. Oh, you mean we're not finished? <laughs> <laughs> I thought we finished an hour ago.